All right. Well, I should have asked if you were ready. <laughs> it's fine. I basically am. All right. Uh, let me just, before we officially start, just notify the Discord to make sure they know we'll... Ah, uh-huh, so you started for, before both of us were ready. <laughs> well, I had to, I have to do this after, sure, after starting this. I mean, I could schedule the stream, but who has time for that? Um... Anyway, uh, Discord, uh, if you're watching this in post, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, this is not gonna make sense on Anchor. (laughs) Um, And let me just make sure, uh, briefly, you're going to hear a bit of echo, just while I check the audio on the screen. All right, we're good. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to episode 50 of No Lights, No Camera Action. And because I'm scared of the theme song getting the stream getting (laughs) taken down for copyright... I'm Noah Nelson. I'm joined as always by Jacob Nelson. Hello, everyone. I just like how it took us 50 episodes to start caring about copyright of the opening. Well, it's, it's more strict on live streams. That's why. Like, it's specifically because this is a live stream, I didn't want to risk it. Uh, but yes, this is uh, technically our whole. Wow, yeah. Oh my gosh, Miserable Movie Monday's been going on forever. This is our. Fourth live episode, um, counting the, 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 yeah, second, third, and fourth miserable movie Oscars, um, uh, this is only the second time we've recorded an episode in person, um, and the first time we've ever streamed from your place. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess look forward to my parents coming downstairs to do laundry live later on. <laughs> yes, I'm still in my parents' basement. Uh, which I mean, no shame in that. Um, on my mom's first floor. So <laughs> fair enough. <clears throat> um, so uh, the agenda for today's episode. Um, first we are going to have um. We're going to talk about the last four films uh, from our Films of the Years of Our Lives challenge. Um, so about two hours, give or take, probably, depending on how long we talk about each film. Uh, we won't do, like, a whole summary of that because we have another bit 
of that challenge. We can do a, a summary of that if we want to in the next episode, like doing our rankings for all the films and whatnot. Um, plus, I would like to rewatch some of them because some of those, because like right now, my top five is completely interchangeable <laughs> because we watch so many good films for this challenge. Meanwhile, my top five is going to be interchangeable in the sense that I'll remember movies and then they'll go into the top five. So I'll <laughs> I'll make sure you remember what films we watched. I got them all written down. Thank you. Um, I'm glad somebody's been doing the paperwork. Um, Alex is asking in the Discord, did you just take the panda from Jujutsu Kaisen for the entire thumbnail? <laughs> Not the entire thumbnail, but yes. Yes, we did. Well, yes, Noah did. He actually made the thumbnail. Yeah. I'm just writing out the coattails of his effort there. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. So. I guess let's start right off the bat. And because I don't want to. I, I feel like the. No, you know what? I need to. We need to play this sound one last time. Because. <laughs> This one, this one should be fine for copyright, and this is a special one. So let me get that pulled up, uh, cause yeah, we, one last time. From the day he was born, he was troubled. Alive, it's alive. It's alive! For me, though, I could fucking tell my life story. Here we go. Really? At age six, I was born without a face. <laughs> yeah, we could have... We I could have done that vocally, but it just wouldn't be the same with that particular one. So, anyway... Uh, so, I'd have to be doing the Yoshi's Cookie Sound effects in the background. I would not be able to pull that off. <laughs> Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, we have four films to talk about, the last four, and before anyone says, it's 2023, you gotta watch a 2023 film, we finished the marathon yesterday, before midnight, and there have not, no films have released yet this year, I don't think. I checked Netflix to see. <laughs> I checked if Netflix had any originals coming out today, and they don't. Only shows. I mean, maybe some Swedish indie film is out now, but yeah, we don't no. know how to find that right now. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not gonna. You know, in 2023, and after this, I think we're until we come up with another specific challenge to do. I think we'll for future episodes. We'll probably just alternate picking whatever movies we feel like so if someone feels like picking a 2023 film uh they can um but um you're good um so anyway but you know that aside we'll talk about plans for the future for the future of the podcast later on um for now, let's dive into our first of four films uh, to discuss for the end of our Films of the Years of Our Lives challenge. 
uh, which was our 2019 film, uh, which Sleep. yeah, Doc, uh, Jacob's pick was Doctor Sleep. Would you like to give a brief summary I of will, the plot of I will Doctor Sleep? To, I watched it about four movies ago, so it might be a little spotty. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so Doctor Sleep follows uh, Danny or Dan Torrance, uh, the little boy from The Shining, into adulthood. Uh, words as he as he essentially mentally recovers from the events of the shining mm-hmm. uh and then ends up becoming psychic pen pals with a little girl from New Hampshire from somewhere else in the United States no yeah. who can also shine like he can however their communication ends however their, like, friendly pen pal communications end up getting complicated when the girl, known as Abra, uh, accidentally encounters a group of soul-eating vampires. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put them. They're not I, explicitly vampires, but, yeah, I might mean, as well. I saw them referred to as vampires, I think, in the description of the movie that I saw when I pulled it up the okay. first time. Okay, interesting. So I'm going with the vampires because it's slightly funnier than just people who can also shine but learn that they could use eating other people that can shine to gain relative immortality. Yeah. Relative <laughs> being the important part. Relative, yeah. Uh, and so, after a bit of refusing the call on Dan's part, uh, the two end up teaming up to take on this group of soul-eating vampire shiners. Uh ultimately culminating in a final confrontation at the rotting remains of the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so initial thoughts uh, for this movie, and the, a couple of these, well, actually, the all four of these are interesting because they're all part of franchises that we either have the same amount of experience with or Very one person one person has more experience with uh for dr sleep i have seen the i have seen the shining and i have seen the first 10 minutes of the shining yeah which was enough to which was enough to pick up on, we'll get into it a little bit more later which is enough i'm assuming which was enough to pick up on some of the visual homages at least oh yeah throughout the movie mm-hmm. for the shining yeah so i am coming at this someone who also like the Shining is amazing. You need to finish that movie at some yeah, point because it is—it really is one of the greatest horror films ever made. Um, despite what Stephen King would tell you, <laughs> um, I love how his most successful adaptation is the one that he doesn't think adapted the subject material well. Roald Dahl's the same way with <laughs> Willy Wonka. Um, but regardless. Um, I just realized this isn't the only Stephen King adaptation we watch for this challenge because we watched The Green Mile. Yeah. Um, anyway, eh, that's neither here nor there. Um, my initial thoughts on the film, uh, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, not nearly as much as the original Shining, but it's. I, th- I think it's good that it's not trying to... It's not trying to live up to The Shining, mm-hmm. Uh, it is very much doing its own thing, um, while still 
paying homage uh, to The Shining in uh, various ways. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, yeah. Now, for my opening thoughts, uh, I think we started with... Uh, putting aside whether or not there can be objective quality to movies for a second year, I think we started with the closest to the objectively best movie of the four. We'll get to it. <laughs> I I what? have a re- I mean, I have an ironic rebuttal to that, but probably <laughs> you are well No, I have both an ironic and a non-ironic rebuttal to that. We'll, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about later. it. We'll have a discussion about that later. Um, we'll uh, talk about it. Um, uh, but for now, yeah, I also really enjoyed this. I will say for a horror movie, I didn't find it particularly scary, but like as someone who doesn't watch horror movies, it's honestly as much of a plus as it is a minus for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a bit more of a... Not even... It's a bit more of an adventure, I guess. Not yeah. really adventure, but like an adventure-style-ish movie than a horror movie. And, uh, and I think, delving into more specifics, I think the, the scariest part of this is very subtle. Because I think... I think... Um, Rebecca Ferguson's performance as Rose the Hat is very subtly terrifying. Yeah. She, I, I think she's the highlight of this movie for me. Yeah, um, her, I had heard really that her performance presence. was really good, and yeah, people were not lying. She, she is really good in this. Uh, maybe, maybe my favorite female horror villain. Uh, because there's not many. There's not many. Well. Okay, I guess it depends on your definition of female horror villain, because technically, Gabriel slash Madison in Malignant, but that's kind of spoilery territory. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that that one's complicated. I Gabriel's the villain of this of that, and Gabriel is male, so I'll I'll say for now that Rose the Hat is is my favorite female horror villain. Um. Yeah, she does a very good job in this. Um, but I also love that she is just as horrified of her opponent as her opponent is of her. Yeah. Uh, maybe even more so. Um, because there's a couple encounters before the final showdown between Rose the Hat and Abra. Um Kind of which is who is the the overarching threat in the scene. Yeah. Um and it's very it's it's very cool how um Abra is able to just completely flip the script. That one the one particular encounter where she goes to Abra's room and that uh, and tries to go into her mind, but then Abra goes into her mind, and w- when like she gets her, she rip, has to rip her hand out of the file cabinet. Yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, oh, ooh, um, that. Yeah, that that probably got the biggest reaction out of me. Um, yeah, I think also it is worth noting uh, with you saying that the you you think this is probably the objectively the the best film we watched of the four uh, for this marathon. This is the only one where we really didn't banter at all. Yeah, it, we we yeah. kind of bantered a little bit through 
Especially we were, the zombies movies. We were respectfully silent throughout the whole movie except for one joke in the middle of it. Yeah, when when the when they're talking about how like the crazy the or or no that well that one that that one got a big laugh out of us where yeah they're um Dan is driving to a place where oh by the way sorry this is complete. This, I'm just realizing, because we both woke up, like, an, well, I woke up an hour and a half ago, um, but um, this is completely a jumbled conversation, but... Um, Are our conversations for this ever not jumbled? Fair enough. Um, with um the the baseball kid that is murdered um that um Abra sees getting murdered um played by Jacob Tremblay who like for his age is kind of a big deal and like I was surprised to see him in such a small role in this movie playing like th- just a a horror victim um, cause he, well, I for, I don't know if he was nominated, I don't think he was nominated, cause he was real young when he did this, but, um, if you've heard of the movie Room, not The Room. I've heard of Room. Room, uh, which Brie Larson won the Oscar for, uh, Jacob Tremblay, uh, played her kid in that, um, and, uh, got a lot of acclaim for that, and actually the same year as Dr. Sleep, he starred in... A very underrated raunchy comedy called Good Boys. Hmm. Um, that was it. I would describe it as super bad, but they're middle schoolers. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I, like, go watch Good Boys. It's it's actually really good. Actually, I think I mentioned I might have mentioned it to you on the podcast before because. It is the movie that I saw immediately after watching The Founder. Um, when I was like, ah, oh, shit, th- this movie made me feel shitty, but also made me hungry for McDonald's. I'm gonna go <laughs> get some McDonald's and then go watch another movie. And I was like, oh, that Good Boys movie looks kind of good. And then it was really good. Um, I almost cheated and picked it for G, but, um back then. Anyway. Um Anyway, uh so there's a, a scene where Abra is leading Dan and his friend played by the same actor who played Fire Lord Ozai in The Last Airbender. I feel like that's oh. worth mentioning uh because this movie shows how horrible of a casting choice he was for Fire Lord Ozai. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz he's great in this movie. Um but he's also very distinctly not Fire Lord. He's Ozai. very distinctly not as, Fire Lord Ozai. As funny as this movie would be if Fire Lord Ozai was just hanging around yeah. in um, fucking rural America for yeah. no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, we could make that happen with simple <laughs> with the simple and sheen segment. <laughs> um, but regardless, um, there's a scene where Abra is leading those two to find. Uh, the baseball kid's body, and, um, 
so that she can specifically to get the glove so that she can track Rose the Hat's crew of as you described it vampires um um and when they're driving in the car so th- this is after Dan has told his friend that he about the shining mm-hmm. essentially um and d- the friend says I'm not sure whether I hope you're right or wrong about this because if you're wrong my friend is crazy like and he goes on like to like a bunch of adjectives onto that crazy uh and then he's like and that I can deal with and that got a big <laughs> laugh out of us he he's very good comic relief um he unfortunately dies um later on in the confrontation with the vampires because one of the, the, the newest member who we see get recruited to like these, these shining soul suckers and they call it, they call it steam. Yes. They, they call it steam and like they're, they're chasing after Abra because she has a particularly powerful steam. Um, and the steam is what it's, I was thinking, like, when they pulled out the canisters, oh, shit, it's Monsters, Inc. Um, <laughs> um, which I'm not entirely wrong. Um, uh, um, Doctor Sleep, the third Monsters, Inc. movie. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, perhaps a Monsters, Inc. prequel, if we want to do that. Oh, shit, yeah, that could fit into the Pixar theory somewhere. That would also mean that all Stephen King books are linked, which Toy Story has already been linked to The Shining. All right, yeah. So, so this is all entirely possible. Um, anyway, Stephen King releases a new Dark Tower book, and just words. I'm trying to think of a random Pixar character on the spot and then suddenly fall. And then Wally just rolls in from off screen randomly. Off screen. Off I don't know so why, long. but my immediate thought for random Pixar character was the dog from Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I feel like he kind of fits into a Steven because he's the. Mm. He, he mutates into that. I don't remember. It's been so long since we watched Coco. Um. But, um, anyway, getting back on track, um, okay, um, why don't you talk a little bit about stuff that you liked about the film? Yeah, uh, one thing that I liked, uh, we mentioned earlier that the film does a lot of homage to The Shining, Mm -hmm. Uh, and one thing, one way that I liked that it does that is that it occasionally... Not occasionally. It periodically like changes its cinematography from a slightly more, I guess, modern style of cinematography, mm-hmm. where, where where everything looks like how it does in like insert movie that comes out today, mm-hmm. to something a lot more akin to like Stanley Kubrick's cinematography and the cinematography in The Shining. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of moments like that. Um... Oh, speaking of, yeah, because I was, the next thing I was going to bring up was other 
um, connections to The Shining. Um, this film actually starts with a recreation of one of the most iconic scenes from The Shining. Like, a shot-for-shot... Shot, well, yeah. A shot-for-a-shot, shot because it's the it's the iconic one-take with the, the trike. Even if you haven't seen The Shining in full, you're probably familiar with that scene. Um, and they, they recreate that... Um, to start the film off in a flashback uh, to 1980, and then we flash forward a little bit to the immediate aftermath, um, where um, Dan talks to the ghost of Dick Halloran. Uh, there's some interactions he has with his mother, Wendy, um, and... Um, I will say, uh, they did a pretty good job of casting actors for these characters. Because obviously they had to recast yeah. these characters. Um, especially because Shelley Duvall doesn't act anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Scatman Brothers is dead? That, that sounds right. I think um, so. And obviously the kid can't, yeah. can't play a young Danny anymore. The kid has unfortunately grown. Yes. Um, I think he's still alive. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, but um, they did a very good job of casting actors for these roles in these small portions of the film that do a good job of portraying the characters from the original film, but aren't just doing impressions of yeah. the actors who played those characters. I can't say the same for when the bartender becomes Jack Nicholson. <laughs> uh, because that guy is just trying to do a Jack Nicholson impression, and it doesn't entirely work. I know first, I, I agree that, that, that him just doing an impression works a bit more in the context of that scene, because it's also like, Ostensibly, the hotel itself doing a Jack Nicholson impression. I guess, yeah. That was, that was just one one part where I was like, ooh, they, like, I mean, like, I get that Jack Nicholson is so iconic in that role and that it's hard to recast him, but you didn't have to just have him doing an impression of Jack Nicholson. Because I didn't, I didn't see Jack Torrance there. I saw Jack Nicholson. Um, uh, the hair and makeup did a great job of yeah. transforming him. Uh, the, the impression was not quite there for me. Um, but, um, again, I almost, if, if I had a nickel for every time I wish Jim Carrey played an iconic an iconic character reimagined in a 2019 film while he was retired from acting temporarily, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's strange that it happened twice. Because Jim Carrey could have pulled that off, I think. It would have been weird, but he could have pulled it off. Because um, he does a good Jack Nicholson. He does a good Jack Nicholson. And people have even, like, deep-faked him into scenes from The Shining. 
Um, which is fun. Um, um, yeah, and then obviously the, the final confrontation at, um, the Outlook. Wait, that's not... Overlook. Overlook, yeah. Sorry. College... Uh, that's what we use for email. Um, <laughs> um, the Overlook um, has plenty of fun homages. Um, you see pretty much all the ghosts from that movie um, come to defeat Rose the Hat in the end. Um, and then and also kick the shit out of Dan while they're at it. Yeah, yeah. Before he gets a chance to retrap them, Rose was just there first. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that sequence where he unlocks, because you see in multiple scenes in the in the movie that he has locked these ghosts in these boxes to keep them from terrorizing him, um, and he's gotten, like, I think at this point he's, he specifically says he's gotten all of them, um, and so... That was very cool to see him, like, unlock those boxes to unleash all those, uh, ghosts. And I couldn't tell if they... I'm wonder... I I would have to look back... And after... After I get home today, the first thing I'll do is watch, uh, Dead Meets Kill Count of Doctor Sleep, because they'll have some fun behind-the-scenes info in there. Um... I'm wondering how much of that was CGI, because, like, the one, the one in particular, I forget which character it was, oh, the bathroom attendant looked spot on to the guy from the original film, and I'm wondering how much of that was CGI, um, because there's, I mean, that actor might still be alive, I'm not sure, um, but... Um, I, I, I would be interested to see how much of that was CG because they really did a very good job of recreating all those ghosts. Yeah. Um, and obviously some of them do not look exactly like, like the, the naked woman in the bathtub doesn't look exactly like she looked in The Shining, but the, the bathroom attendant was pretty spot on, um, in, with the brief glimpse I got of him, he was pretty spot on. I was like, oh, yeah, um... Uh, of course, the twins are in there. Uh, um, uh, Ewan McGregor does a good job yeah. as an adult Dan Torrance. Um, I really liked his... Um, I really liked the direction they took with the character. And obviously, we, I don't know how much of this is directly adapted from the book... Um, and how much is, uh, new to the movie, Mm -hmm. um, but I do really like the direction, um, they take where, um, the first time we see Dan as an adult, he's in a very, he's in a rough spot, Mm -hmm. um, he steals money from, uh, from a woman he sleeps with, um, 
and I don't know if they were dating or if it was just a one-night stand or what. She had a kid, and he put the kid in the bed with his naked mom, which was a little weird. Um, but um, then he moves out to location where Abra is. This is long before he meets Abra, though. Um, at least I think they're in the same city. Because, like, she yeah, she meets him in person. Yeah. So I think they are in the same town. Um, and then he starts going to AA. Um, it seems like he, he has become an alcoholic like his father was. And then they they have the six-year flash-forward, or eight-year flash-forward or something, and he's giving a speech at AA where he talks about his dad trying to get better. And that, that, spe- that speech was really good, like, yeah. really well-delivered, well, really well-written. Um... um Do we have any other specifics we want to... Oh, they, they, there's a scene where they watch Casablanca at the movie theater. That was neat. <laughs> um, yeah. That's where we meet the, the newest member of the, the, the Soul Suckers. Um, and I was like, I recognize that actress from somewhere. She was in The Babysitter on Netflix. Uh, which was not very good. Um, she looked a lot younger in that than in this one. It's not that old of a movie, but yeah. Um, but yeah, she she's the one who can. I I found it funny. That, okay, there were two instances where I was waiting for them to reference Star Wars. <laughs> A, with her basically doing Jedi mind tricks, um, and Ewan McGregor being there. I wanted some reference there. And then also, when he starts having... He's uh, not the shiners you're looking for. Well, well, (laughs) no, when he starts um, communicating with Abra, she writes, hello... He, in the movie, he wrote hi. I really wanted him to write hello there. <laughs> I knew he wouldn't, but I really wanted him to. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, any other specifics we want to talk about with this one? Yes, one more thing that I can bring up somewhat coherently uh, is that I really like like how the actors that did like the the group of the soul leaders mm-hmm. I guess moved would be the way I put it because like they when like they're doing anything it's always just slightly off feeling yeah mm-hmm. and I I like that effect and I like the portrayal by the actors for that. Yeah, they they all do a very good job. Uh yeah. Um and yeah. Um Yeah, they close the thing too, like a 
proper full-on scare that I had from that was when the old one dies, mm. uh, and then there's the and turns into smoke, and then there's this pause, and then they all just pounce on the smoke. Yeah, yeah, to to suck it up because yeah. it's steam. It's it's yeah. good, like, so, and that's what he would have wanted. <laughs> I don't know. Subtly horrifying kind of them just eating their a longtime friend, but something, something about like a, something about the small way in which they just, not even hesitated, just pause as if waiting for the right moment. Yeah, like like a moment of silence. Yeah. Uh, to respect his memory, and then let's suck him up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Somewhere between, somewhere between. Yeah, somewhere between a moment of silence and a snake waiting to pounce on a, a mouse. Yeah. Actually, I think the most terrifying scene was in the beginning when Rose claims Vi- Violet, the victim, because yeah. you see it like she's talking with this child, like showing her magic, mm-hmm. um, and then like you see the other members of her crew appear in the forest one by one. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Um, the the way it's edited is very and shot is very well done and then like just as this little girl is like i should probably go back to my parents it's too late by that mm-hmm. point um and that's the other thing that makes you know this character so terrifying is that like she exclusively targets children yeah like they they are killing kids like that's their whole thing um, because, like, once you get too old, your steam gets polluted. That's what she tells, uh, Dan. But then even then, she's, she has that moment where she's like, oh, but even at your age, like, he's so strong with, with the shine, with the shining that he, his steam is still very potent. Um, and there's that part where she's like, she, she wounds his she like she jams the axe into his leg and then like jams her thumb in the wound and as he screams with each scream she sucks up more of his steam and it's very uh interesting um but um yeah um uh I guess, um, final thoughts on this one, um, you want to start with final uh, thoughts? Or? Final thoughts, good movie, really need to go back and actually finish watching The Shining, mm-hmm. as, I guess there's really all I can say right now. Yeah, um, my final thoughts, it's super solid, um, uh, most of my issues with it are very nitpicky, um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's very solid. It is a very solid follow-up to The Shining that, again, never tries too hard to live up to The Shining, which is good because you can't, <laughs> um, and, yeah, no, very, very well, uh, made, um, and yeah, so uh, now we'll move on to our 2020 film, which was my choice of Zombies 2. 
Uh, of course, we also watched Zombies 3, which we'll get into. We'll try not to talk about Zombies 3 during Zombies 2, but some things might come up. I don't know. Um, a brief summary of Zombies 2. Uh, after some time, some unspecified time, it's probably specified, but I don't remember. Some time after the events of Zombies 1, um... They find werewolves in the Forbidden Forest, um, and it turns out these werewolves are actually, um, they are tracking down, uh, their most precious relic, the Moonstone, uh, which, uh, they need for, uh, life source, um, one of the werewolves suspects Addison of being their great alpha and secretly being a werewolf, um, which she jumps at this possibility because she is still looking for a place where she belongs. Uh, she turns out not to be a werewolf, but she and, you know, the whole cast basically do end up helping the werewolves retrieve their moonstone, uh, despite some issues they have caused for the town, and all is right at the end. Um, so, initial thoughts on this one. Um, I mean, again, it's so weird to judge these, like, to judge these movies in comparison to each other, because, like, we just talked about a sequel to one of the greatest horror films of all time, and now we're talking about a sequel to a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, this... I, st I had fun with Zombies 2. Um, not to tip my hand too much, but I would say this is probably the weakest of the trilogy. Um, but it still has some fun, uh, moments, um, but overall it feels like it retreads a lot of the same ground as the first movie and does it not as well. Alright. In my opinion. As for my opening thoughts... I'm gonna be honest, I think I was in the wrong headspace approaching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's partly because we had just watched Doctor Sleep. Yeah, fair enough. A very good movie. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Or it's like, and partly because I was trying to, and partly because I was approaching it from being over criticism that I levied at the first move, Zombies movie, that this movie had an interesting way of engaging with. Okay. I Let's immediately jump into that, because I'm very curious as to what you're referring to, exactly. Uh, okay, so in the first Zombies movie, uh, like the central theme is basically to not be prejudiced against others, mm -hmm. and the primary way they do that is by portraying the zombies as essentially a minority racial group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
with that's not supposed to be specifically a one to one, but they borrow enough random things that they're. I wouldn't feel comfortable calling them fantasy black people, but they're fantasy black people adjacent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it, none of the characters. It is not a perfect like, allegory, but it's yeah. you know it has coding. Yeah, exactly. Unavoidably to a point, but it's very noticeably there if you aren't asleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's not subtle. <laughs> yeah, and I. And the first time I saw it, I didn't think that they handled like and the racial allegory terribly well. Mm-hmm. Which, like, to a point when you're subbing in a fantasy race or like a monster race, is always going to go wrong. But yeah, even still, there are various things that just annoyed me in the first one, and the second one tried to continue that in ways, but neither fully committed. Or fully backed away from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the allegory in this one feels sort of half baked. Yeah. Co- even compared to the first one. Yeah, like, uh, to start uh, with the werewolves specifically, they're introduced, and if we follow the same like pattern pattern as the first one, as if that's a. Which isn't technically a pattern because one data point, but whatever. Mm-hmm. If you follow the same trend as the first one, then the as they're introduced, werewolves are coded as Native Americans because they've mm-hmm. been on the land before all the initial settlers of Seabrook, yeah, the town that they live in, yeah, or uh, or really any any group that has been colonized, yeah, yeah and they're also shown to be a, not explicitly more in tune nature yeah. but like they live in a cave in the forest which if i if i had a nickel for every uh questionable quality uh fantasy movie i watched that equated werewolves with native americans i'd have two nickels which isn't a lot but it's strange that it happened twice yeah, twilight yeah. does the yeah, same I know, thing I know. um <laughs> In a very different way, but... Yeah, yeah. part because Twilight used the name of an actual Native American tribe. Yeah, and, well, I I mean, they did draw from actual, like, Native American lore with that, which, you know... It's had mixed effects on the tribe that was Mm name-borrowed for that. Anyway, and, like, here they don't, like... So to go back to the point, like, they're portrayed as, like, living in the forest in the woods there, and so, Mm -hmm. like... At the baseline, the forbidden forest. Yeah, and so as a baseline, they're portrayed as something more in tune with nature, which is a common stereotype for portraying Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but they also don't like, really, to my knowledge, use any other iconography for that. Which I'm, I'm kind of glad because I don't. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think like a lot of movies do that particularly well, and I would not anticipate this movie doing it well. Either. Yeah, and also Disney does not have a good history with using Native yeah. American imagery. Yeah, but like <laughs> beyond that, like they don't. Re- beyond that, there's like a moment where they touch on like any like a racial angle to it, and then they just kind of. Not drop the idea, but kindly ignore it as mm-hmm. a specific focus for the rest of the movie. And the one moment where they kind of draw attention to it is like there's an entire song 
which is just the werewolves making fun of the idea of a model minority, which is what Zed is trying to have the zombies be. Yeah. Yeah. A group that can just, like, be approved... Because Zed's trying to have the zombies fit in by... This is not not the right terminology, but, like... He... By by trying to pass as just, like, a human. Yeah, yes, exactly. Instead of embracing, the differences and trying to be, like, approved of instead of Mm -hmm. doing... And trying to emphasize things to get approved of instead of respecting, like, past culture and heritage. And, this, and the werewolves have an entire musical number making fun of him for that, essentially. Yes. Um... Which is an interesting idea that I'm kind of wish the movie played a little bit more with beyond just token be yourselfness. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because, like, beyond that, it just basically becomes be yourself as a central theme, which is not terrible, but it's also kind of the same theme as all of the zombies movies. Yes. Um and um also uh sort of connected to the these uh themes and allegories. Um what one of the things that drives me crazy with this movie um is where so when word first gets out about the werewolves in the forbidden forest immediately the town is like, all anti-monster laws are now in place again. Mm. Fucking hate that mm. shit. Because it's just the lazy sequel trope of having characters who deve- who had an arc in the first movie completely go backwards on that yeah. arc. And the worst offender of this is Addison's cousin, who I forget the name of. Bucky, Bucky yes. He's infuriating and he's infuriatingly racist in this movie (laughs) um even before the werewolves come up he is explicitly discriminating against the zombies at cheer camp um and he never he never really grows i thought he grew in the first movie i thought he did there was a moment at the end that suggested growth. Yeah, but I guess he really didn't, and it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's yeah, he's probably my least favorite character in this. Winter comes close. Winter does. Come Winter close. comes close, but like she's intentionally overbearing. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's very like. There's multiple scenes in this movie where Winter, who's one of the werewolves, um, if you're looking at the thumbnail, she's the one on the left, um, where she has this, like, outburst of excitement or just, like, a, just an, just an over-the-top display of any emotion, and... Afterwards, she pauses, like, too much? Uh, that's a recurring bit. Uh, and it is too much. <laughs> it is too much. It is intentionally so, but it's still too much. Yeah. Um, Basically, everything she says in this movie, even when it's outside of that specific gag, is a, feels too much. Yeah, she's... I mean, I... 
I'd imagine she's at least having fun with the role, which Probably. is... Like, I will say, it definitely, I definitely don't get the impression that anyone isn't having fun. Yeah, people are having fun with this. I would also like to say, because uh, we've talked a lot about what this film does worse than the original, uh, one thing I will say improves a bit is the music, I think. Now, I, I granted, both disagree and agree with you. There. Yeah, I, granted, the only song I really remember from the first movie, because again, it's been years since we saw it, but I also remember this. Th- this was always one that stuck out as a highlight to me. Was uh, someday, which they reprise in this and the third one. Um, so they knew they knew what they had with that one. Uh, <laughs> they knew that was the best song they wrote. Um, but this, this one has, I, I would say this one has more songs that I would consider pretty good. I think the first song with the werewolves is good, mm-hmm. uh, We Own the Night. Um, the song where they convert Addison, which is not <laughs> not a, an appropriate way to word that, but it's the best I can think of right now, um, where they're basically, like... Uh, it's Call to the Wild, and they're like, oh, like, don't you hear the Call to the like, um, that, that song's cool, they do, they have some cool choreography with that, um, and the transition, but, from cheerleader Addison to werewolf makeover Addison, I liked, um, you made fun of the hair early on in this movie. They they address the hair. They say they comment multiple times on like having great hair. Um and <laughs> we were both like eh. <laughs> um all the world have a hilarious white streak in their hair for no apparent reason. Yeah. Other than that's the aesthetic that they chose for them. Yeah. Um, also, much like, well, not all the zombies' names start with Z, but they all have a Z, I think. Um. Because the only one we can think of that doesn't start with a Z is Bonzo. Yeah, there's Zed, Bonzo, I forget the girl's name. Um. Zendaya. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fucking hilarious. (laughs) If they just straight up named one of the zombies Zendaya. Oh boy, um, or just have her cam. What she should have cameoed in one of these movies. She could have cameoed in the third one. They got RuPaul, which we'll get to. Um, they clearly had a bigger budget for that third one. Not to tip my head a little bit, but um, and all the werewolves have a start with W. Yeah, there's Willa, there's Wyatt, Wyatt there's and Winter, Winter, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Who are, I think are the only three that are named? I think? I think there may be a couple more named offhandedly, but um, they're the only three that anyone would really need to care about. Yeah. Um, also, I'm I'm irrationally annoyed by the fact that Winter is spelled with a Y, not an I. <laughs> For Which we would have no only... reason, because you only know it from having the subtitles on. Yeah. Which we had because we had to keep it down because people were watching football upstairs. Um, um, but yeah, um, yeah, we had that, um, 
was, yeah, that was, I had a feeling, like, I looked over, yeah, I looked at the subtitles and I looked at you and I was like, you don't like that one. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if I actually thought that, I just made up that I thought that, um, at the time. Um, well, I doubt it's particularly subtle with being annoyed by it. Um... Even there, if what I was being annoyed by wasn't necessarily obvious. This movie did have oh the other the other song I parti- I did like well besides the someday reprise because the someday reprise was really good um, at the prawn which is their prom because their mascot is a shrimp yeah. and they have some fun bits with the shrimp mascot. Um, I don't remember there being that in the first movie, but there probably was. It's just been a while. Um, uh, I also liked the the rap battle debate for student president because one of, one of, one of the subplots in this movie is um, Bucky is running for for uh, student president and in an effort to overturn uh, the zombie ban yes overturn Zed the anti monster laws yeah Zed runs for president and in the debate scene they have a rap battle uh, which Zed dominates. Mm. <laughs> Until he zombies out and scares everyone and Bucky is elected student president. Um, but, like, that was fun. Yeah. It also hits on one of my favorite kids' show high school tropes, which is pretending that the student council has any actual power at which all. Which they don't. <laughs> they really don't. It's a hilarious trope, and I hope they never stop doing it. It's so, yeah. Um... Uh, what else? Um, uh, oh, yeah, wait. Oh, there was one other thing I was gonna... What else was I gonna bring up? If you have anything else to bring up, please bring it up now while I think of what I was gonna bring up. Uh, oh, I remembered, but you, you can, if you have something. Okay, I'll do my thing right, while you okay, think. Okay, I guess, like... Oh. Okay. Okay. One thing, like, uh, the the movie's approach, to, like, okay, zombies in general approach to like their quote monsters as monsters has always been kind of not tacit. Uh, like they're werewolves, but they don't use a lot of werewolf stuff. Regarding yeah, they kind of just growl you know, like, and howl. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just see a side note of I really wish that at some point that we could have seen them attempt to do a full-on werewolf transformation. I think that would have been at the very least really funny to watch. Yeah. Because there's no way they would have been given the budget to actually make that look good in CGI. Not in this one, no. And the and the attempt to do that practically, I think, would also be hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, um, I will say that this movie kind of has like the one like properly kind of clever thing relating to, like, classical monster mythology, which is that, like, the werewolves are still weak to silver, as is classic for werewolves. Mm-hmm. But at some point later on, uh, when the werewolves are storming the power plant, the moonstone's under, uh, the copsy's essentially, like, a silver-based gas. Yeah, that's right, out. yeah. Which I thought was... <clears throat> Words I... What if that was a, a clever sp- spin on the silver idea? Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. And, like, makes sense as a world-building thing mm-hmm. for what the police would do. Yeah, exactly. Because it's specifically the Z Patrol, like, yeah. the anti-zombie, and I guess at this point, anti-all-monster. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up um, just uh, before uh, we move on, uh, this movie had a lot of... Uh, big laughs from us. Um, one in particular was um, at the beginning when Zed is mentioning that now they have more flavors of Froyo than just vanilla, and then he orders vanilla, <laughs> and then he says, What? I like vanilla. <laughs> um, and also, I want to point out, I want to give a shout out to, I want to say his name is Alex Myers. Um, who did, I, I did watch his video of this a long time ago, forgot most of the plot details, but remembered this gag in particular. When he played that clip of Zed saying, what, I like vanilla, and then he paused, and he said, yes, clearly, and put up a picture of Addison. You know, I'm saying yes. <laughs> I was very tempted to make the exact same joke when we were watching. A, I mean, it's a it is the joke to make. <laughs> um, um, uh, and also the part that had us just busting a gut was um, when the werewolves, in order to cover up their search for the moonstone, they're like, "We want to attend your school." And then they're like, wait, you can't attend our school. And then I think it is actually the coach who says this, which adds an extra layer of humor to the joke that we both thought of. Um, Because the the coach says, technically the Forbidden Forest is in the school district. And Jacob and I both immediately thought, ain't no rule says a dog can't play basketball. (laughs) Which... I joked about in my letterbox review I wrote ain't no ain't no rule says a werewolf can't play basketball. <laughs> so um uh do we have any other specifics with this one? God, I just remembered another Disney Channel original movie from even further back which was the fucking Leprechaun basketball movie. Oh, Luck of the Irish? Yeah. yeah. I I don't think I watched that one in full, but I know exactly what you're talking about. There were a lot there were a lot of movies back then on Disney Channel of people inexplicably turning into mythological creatures. Cause there's also the thirteenth year yeah. where the kid turns into a mermaid on his merman thir- or whatever. Yeah. Um so, um, yeah, that was a weird trend in Disney Channel original movies. I don't know if there are other examples, but... I mean, My Babysitter's a Vampire. Oh, yeah! Which, actually, technically is not Disney Channel original. It's only... It was distributed by Disney Channel in the U.S., mm. specifically. But it was originally on some Canadian network. Okay. Um, It is a Canadian show, which makes some sense, because... Watching that show, there's some stuff that Disney Channel themselves would not do. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. 
I want to go back and watch that series at some point because that one always stuck out to me. I was like, I don't know if this was a Disney Channel movie or where the hell it actually saw, but there's also Can of Worms. I have, I don't know about that one. Uh, it was similar. I okay. It was kid, uh, in middle or high school. I can't honestly remember this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't fit anywhere. Assumes. That therefore he must secretly be an alien, sends out a radio signal to the entire galaxy, and then a bunch of aliens throughout the entire galaxy come to try and re basically recruit him to their to their home planets. I have not seen this movie. And the movie. main alien is a dog, essentially, with a with a speech translating color. I have not seen this movie, but I have seen the Disney Plus thumbnail for it, and it's fucking hilarious. Let me see yeah, if I can then... find it. <laughs> because, like, I as soon as you said alien, I this image popped up in my head. Yeah, and then, oh yeah, and then no, the, end, the poster. This, oh, the poster's fucking horrifying. And then at the end, there's this knockoff collector slash brainiac that goes around kidnapping people from the various alien species, and then <laughs> <laughs> fucking horrifying. Oh god. Fuck it, this is... And then it turns nah, out the kid mind. secretly is probably an alien, but goes to live on Earth anyways because he actually has friends now. Uh. <laughs> and also the space police show up, which is just... <laughs> also, all that exact plot is funny considering Zombies 3, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um. No space police, unfortunately, though. Yeah. Um, I guess final thoughts on Zombies 2. Yeah, it's... It's not... I wouldn't say it's as good as the first one. Um... Uh... But it is harmless, I think. It's, it's, it's got some... It's fun, and, you know, it... Like... It's... Yeah. It's, it's fine. Like, it's... I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first one. I also think I enjoyed the first one a little more than you did. Um, but, um... Yeah, um... Anyway, uh, final thoughts. My final thoughts are, I also wouldn't describe this as as good as the first one, but for me, it's because I also wouldn't describe the first one as good without hesitation. Yeah. But that's partly because, like... This kind of movie feels like it operates on a different quality paradigm. True, it's yes. Like, it's the re like, it exists on the red and... Sorry, the blue and orange morality of movie quality. Where it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And you either have to accept that going in or don't. And Zombies 2 is definitely more of what Zombies 1 was in that regard. Yeah. For sure. Even if small parts <clears throat> of it... maybe don't hold up as well compared to the first one because they are a bit redundant. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, had about as much fun with this one as the first one. Yeah. Um, moving on to our 2021 pick, which was Jacob's pick. Which was Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Would you like to give a brief summary of the plot of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero? I can sure as fuck attempt it, yes. Uh... Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is an anime movie that follows a high school boy named Yuta who is haunted by essentially the ghost of the the girl he was 
betrothed to as but, a child. But, yeah, but by himself. And yeah, 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 it wasn't an arranged. Child marriage things is that children don't know what marriage is. Closer situation. Yeah, she proposes to him as a child, and he says yes. Yeah. Anyways, then she dies in her car accident, and he's haunted by her ghost ever since. Mm-hmm. Who keeps killing people who try to harm him, which isn't the worst curse to have, I will say. But <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad in this one. <laughs> in this one, but, it's pretty bad. Uh, uh, anyway, he ends up get, after uh, the ghost Rika of Rika, uh, the girl, uh, kills four of his bullies by stuffing them all into the exact same locker. Uh, he ends up getting forcibly recruited to. Uh, partake in Jujutsu High School, which is a, which is the insert magical high school of this world, where people who can do the insert magic learn to do their insert magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then follow Yuta on a couple adventures where he makes friends with his other students, all three of the other students that exist at the time. <sighs> Uh, and then they all get wrapped up in a plot by an evil former friend of their teacher, uh, who was determined to kill all non-magical people in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically by, uh, killing Yuta and taking, and stealing Rika from mm-hmm. him, because Rika is there to be one of the most powerful curses mm-hmm. read ghosts essentially uh spirits in the world and if he can do that he can basically just kill everyone uh they have some confrontations uh and then Yuta ultimately defeats Ghetto the villain uh and then frees Rika from the curse of constantly haunting him yeah yeah uh initial thoughts on this one uh this is another one where we have a difference in experience with jujitsu kaisen um jacob has watched the whole show yeah the whole show that exists okay and i knew nothing about the show going into this movie um so i guess i'll start with my initial thoughts um this is fucking rad, and I kind of want to watch the show now. <laughs> I I really liked this. This 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 was cool. I I didn't know what to I I didn't know what to expect, but it it was fun. I, it is just kind of X Men meets JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but it's fun. Um. So yeah, I had a blast with this one. I'm glad to hear that because I was definitely points where I was very concerned that you wouldn't be enjoying the movie. Not because you had any reaction, because I was sitting there looking at this, looking at the movie, and going, "Ah, this is a little painfully shown in at times." <laughs> and definitely, it knows what it is. Yeah, and though. definitely also, with knowledge, definitely I think reads as what it is, which is an adaptation of an existing manga series into. Maybe slightly too little space for it to fully pull itself off. Yeah. Because, like, okay, for context for uh, the listeners, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, it, you know what, I should probably actually pull up 
the original name of the goddamn manga this is based off of. Yeah. So give me a second. Noah, say something while I'm Googling. Um, the guy who voices uh, Toge, I think that's his name, the, the guy who speaks in the ingredients, um, he, his... So, okay, also to cl- to uh, preface this, uh, we watched the dub because that was the version available on YouTube, which was cheaper than Vudu. Um, because Google lies, and this is not on Crunchyroll. And we aren't sponsored by any of these <laughs> services. Um... <laughs> But, um, the guy who voices Toge, um, is, in the dub, is Xander Mobus. Oh! Who y'all may recognize as the Smash Bros. announcer, or Joker in Persona 5. (laughs) So that's fun. I looked up a couple of the the dub actors because I thought I recognized voices. Turns out I didn't recognize any of the voices I thought I was. I thought the panda was voiced by a guy from Danganronpa. I was wrong. (laughs) I was wrong. Um, But yeah. Okay, so I pulled up the thing now. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is based up is an adaptation of the manga originally entitled Tokyo Metropolitan Curse Technical School. Which is a bit of a mouthful of a name in English. I'm sure it's easier to say in Japanese. Yeah. Uh, which had a successful enough run that the author, the author uh, made a sequel series called Jujutsu Kaisen. That series took off into the stratosphere. So the original, so the original uh, Metropolitan run was renamed Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Mm-hmm. So people would have any idea of how to find it. <laughs> yeah, similar to how re-releases of Mother 1 have been named Earthbound Beginnings. Yeah. And... Word, sorry. Uh, with the... Okay. No, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, how much of this movie felt like it was expecting you to have watched the show? I I felt like I got all of it without any no- prior knowledge. Okay. Okay, yeah. I was a little worried about that at points. Uh, but... Yeah, no, it, 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 it explains itself well, I think. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, there are curses, and people can have curses, and... Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not that complicated. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was thinking more... I wasn't thinking as much in terms of, like, explaining the world as much as with the characters. Because there are scenes where it... De- okay. There are scenes, especially during, like, the third act, where it's definitely, like... Oh, there's a ton yeah. of characters I don't... I didn't know anything about. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, in that a, final battle. Yeah, in that final battle, there's an extended sequence where they just, like, it's basically ping-pong between various characters... That you'll get to actually know it all in the show. Fair, yeah. Uh, I kind of figured that. That's basically just here for extended cameos. Yeah, I figure, but yeah, I figured, oh, these are probably characters who are bigger in the show, uh, but I got the gist that, like, they either work for the bad, they either work for Anime Magneto or Anime Professor X. I can can gauge which one well Mm. enough. Anyway, uh, yeah, then what, and then, where did I, 
This may just be me, but I also felt like maybe how they treated Gojo was leaning a little bit on pre-existing familiarity with him and what the hell his deal even is. I mean, I just got the vibe that's like, oh, he's got a past. <laughs> that's, like, that's the vibe I got. Like, he's got a past. And, like, we may learn some details, but we don't need to learn all of them at some po at this point. We can learn more later. That's fair enough. Because, <laughs> uh, obviously, like, I, you know, I quickly picked up on the fact that he is pretending to be blind. Probably not as quick as I should have. Because... <laughs> um, <laughs> Then when they revealed that he, when they did the actual reveal where he, he takes down the blindfold, um, like a little while later, I was thinking back and I was like, wait, he did just comment on the appearance of Rika and I didn't think twice about <laughs> it. I probably should have. Um, <laughs> um... Uh, I didn't expect this to be the most horrifying film in the <laughs> in the marathon, but it was. The I didn't even know what to make of the the kids shoved in the locker until you said that. Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, that's some grotesque creation. Oh, ugh. there there's some there's some frightening creatures in this, and that wasn't even one of them. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. So I suddenly had a mental flashback to, uh, shortly after that scene, uh, when the other first year students are introduced, and you, and you see the panda, and you audibly go, oh, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, yeah, cause they just have, there's just, a, the, everyone else is human, and then there's just a talking panda, and they don't, they don't and address they, it? They, they have exactly one sentence, and then one visual to explain what the fuck is going on with panda, and neither of those explains what the fuck is going on with panda. Yeah, and also, like, after I made that comment, I was like, you know, I make jokes, but he's going to be my favorite character. And then he wasn't. <laughs> Toge was. Toge's fucking awesome. Yeah. I love Toge. He's great. He speaks What are, what is the thing what is the dish uh that he speaks in ingredients fuck. for? Uh was it a rice ball ingredients? He mostly says like Something. salmon. Yeah, sa <laughs> salmon. He mentions um Help. Yeah, kelp. But like he speaks for people who have no idea what we're going on about. He speak. He's a guy who speaks in ingredients because essentially he speaks in command words. Yeah. And so he his whole his curse is that is cursed speech. So like, if he says explode, his opponent will explode. Um, kind of broken, but apparently not as broken as Rika. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, with the drawback being that it absolutely fucks up his throat to do that. Yeah, and he speaks in these food ingredients to avoid accidentally killing someone he cares about, which is a really nice, like, character touch. I liked, 
I liked that. It's a really nice angle on a very silly premise. Yeah, no, that that was like, because like Yuta was like, oh, he really cares a lot about people. I need to return the favor. It's like it was just nice. I liked that. I liked that so much. Um. Uh. Gato is deliciously evil. <laughs> um. There's no other way to describe. He's just. Is he's just he knows he knows he's bad he knows he's evil but he he's like having a he's having fun with it. Gato was an interesting surprise for me coming from the show. Cause yeah. Oh, because he dies and so probably isn't in the show. Did he not die? No, he died. Okay. But he is in the show. He's still the main villain. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So this is what we're dealing with okay. now. We don't. Okay. Uh, spoilers for the manga, because uh, we don't get the explanation of what the fuck's going on with him in season one. He's just around as an overarching threat. Okay. That doesn't actually physically appear before the protagonist. I don't think. Mm -hmm. uh, uh. So. Uh, essentially, after Gojo kills him, after Yuta defeats him in battle, uh, uh, Gedo's corpse is happened upon by a thousands-year-old brain parasite. Oh, cool. <laughs> that steals his corpse and his abilities and uses it to do an even bigger master plan. That reminds me of a question I have for you. Yes. When Gato is addressing the students, he refers to Panda as some sort of corpse mutation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one line explaining what the fuck's going on with Panda. Yeah, which I was like, wait, what? Are they going to elaborate on that or no? Okay, uh, I can elaborate on that for you. Okay, cool. the movie doesn't. Okay, okay cool. Uh, I'm curious. So the principal, not Gojo, but the guy that was yelling a lot in that one meeting that all the higher-ups were having. Yes, yes. Uh, his special technique is to make what the show calls cursed corpses. So it's essentially just, like, living dolls. Oh, that do okay. What he wants. Uh, that would explain the stuffing. Yeah. Panda is a sentient living doll. Nice. <laughs> with, that can take three forms, like, three modified forms, the panda form, the gorilla form, which is what you see when he's actually properly fighting. Oh, yeah. And, going okay. uh, and then a Triceratops form that, oh, he out, that he busts out exactly one time and immediately explodes because he's just fighting someone way too powerful. How far do I have to get in the series to see that? Because uh, I want to see, see the Triceratops form, uh... Because I want to see that. <laughs> uh, it is exactly one panel. Uh, and it... Mm. Okay. Uh, if we go off of, like... Going off of the anime, I should Going off of the anime uh, to... Okay. Because I, I, I have, like, 12 days of free Crunchyroll. Yeah. It would be in a hypothetical season three. Okay. We are on season one. Season two, to fit everything that would reasonably need to be in season two, is either going to be fucking massive or a breakneck pacing. Okay, gotcha. Because 
season two would go into an incident of the manga called the Shibuya incident, which is a really massive incident for the plot of the manga, but okay. also, as a result, a really fucking long arc. Yeah, okay, because I was going to no say, so wait, so course. are there only two seasons so far? There is one season so far, and this movie. I thought I saw on Crunchyroll that there were over a hundred episodes of this shit. That is probably qualifying translated episodes. Because uh, some okay. streaming services like Verve, for example, will, that would, yeah, will that makes double sense. count episodes for translations. Okay. Like Spy Family, for example, is a really fun sitcom. Yeah, you've like, mentioned that one yeah, to me before. Highly recommended both to you because it's just fun and to the audience because it's just fun. Uh... <laughs> That has way more episodes listed on Verve than they actually exist, uh, because it's double counting the English subtitles and I think the French subtitles for some reason. Hmm. Gotcha. Scooby Doo occasionally does the same thing. Anyway. But yeah, it, it was. So, like, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated also double counts episodes for similar reasons. Oh, <laughs> is that on Crunchyroll? <laughs> it's on Verve. Oh, okay. Because Verve is the oh, yeah, amalgamation yeah. one. Gotcha. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, Triceratops would be in a hypothetical season three. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, oh gosh, I'm trying anyways, to think. Yeah, Ghetto is, as he exists in the anime and the manga is... Not very different, but he's different. Okay. And we eventually get a flashback, which would essentially be the opening. Which is essentially going to be the opening of season two, more or less. Okay. Uh, that actually like flushes out like Ghetto proper's character a lot more. Yeah. Do, have they dealt? And I assume they've delved a little more into that former uh, friendship between him and. Oh yeah, the flashback is to when Gojo and him were students at Jujutsu High. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's a really solid sequence. Gotcha. Uh cool. Uh yeah. yeah, I might I'm I might actually check this out. Yeah. Uh which like actually if that, I have the time. These last few statements actually merge together to a one thing, which is if you like the movie, definitely watch the show because I think that the show does in part because I think because of time constraints, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And also because like it was I don't think technically... I haven't checked the author's list of work, but, like, it was a big thing that he did... He, I don't even know the gender. Uh, that they did after Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. So, mm -hmm. like... Yeah. Better writing overall. And I think basically every single thing in the movie is done even better in the show. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Also, heads up for you... Uh, the show follows a different protagonist. See, I was wondering about that because Yuta does lose the curse. Okay, yeah. Uh, Is Yuta in the show? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like how we've strayed so far from talking about the actual movie and we're just like... <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, the show and the manga follows primarily... Uh, a new batch of first years. Okay. With most of the student cast that we see coming back as second years. Okay. I say most. Okay. For the show, it's most. For the manga, it's all of them. 
Okay. Uh, for the show, uh, Yuta is a character that is mentioned in the background, not, mentioned as existing in the background off mm-hmm. on some adventure, but doesn't actually show up in season one. Okay. He does eventually show up in the manga, though, in the aforementioned hypothetical season three. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Where he had, okay, <clears throat> where he can, well, he still has powers, because while he doesn't have Rika, he essentially has, like, the ghost of the ghost is how I'm going to describe it. Not Is it, like, st- does he have, like, remnants of her in the sword? It's... Because that's a thing Honestly, they can do. I'm slightly confused on it. Okay. <laughs> my understanding is that, like, Rika herself is gone, but, like, the monstrous form is still something that he can use. Yeah. I would get... My guess and would so, that it so, has something to do with the sword, but I could be way off. Probably is. Well, it's a different sword, because the sword broke in the final fight. Didn't catch that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, because he... Because he fills it with too much cursed energy to hit Ghetto, and then Ghetto comments about on that on right. how you can't fill a vessel with too much cursed energy otherwise it, at once, otherwise it'll explode. So you know, just punches him in the face instead. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Anyway. Um, I was genuinely devastated that any of these characters might die, especially Toge and Panda. I was. You're giving me a look as if they die in the show. Okay, okay. Toby and Panda do not die in the show. Okay. Panda does get absolutely fucked up at some point. Oh no, not Panda. He's still alive, though. Also, okay. Toge isn't around a ton, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Well, it, yeah, I'll, I'll still... I'll, I'll... Well, I'll see. I have no idea if I'll actually... Get around to watching the show. I'm also working on a bunch of other YouTube stuff. Uh, depends on how I end up using my upcoming free time. Um, but, yeah. Um, uh, do we have anything else specific that we want to talk about regarding the movie? How was... How was... Because you're used to sub. Mm-hmm. How, how were the actors in the dub? Uh, Alright, I think there was an occasional line where it felt... I think it was an occasional line where it felt a little off, but mm-hmm. overall, I think the actors actually did a good job. Okay, like cool. the one that jumps to mind is that there's some point where Yuta's yelling something where it doesn't quite sound like the voice actor was going loud enough. Okay, yeah, but like <clears throat> overall, I think they did a good job. I guess one last thing that I'll say is that okay, is this this is a shonen manga movie thing? Mm-hmm. Uh. And shonen anime and manga have this particular approach to exposition and stuff a lot of the times, which is to say that they're very bad at showing and not telling a lot of the times. And yeah. for an anime, it's or manga, it's like a serialized form. It's mostly fine. For a movie, you really start to feel it. Yeah, a little bit. There are definitely points where. Mm-hmm. character like motivation and feelings and, and stuff that could have just been told visually or through actions are instead told through vis- visually and with actions and also explained at least once anyway yeah like <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like they put off explaining toge's power for a while because like as gojo says 
you'll understand it when you see it, and then they give it a full explanation anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess, uh, final thoughts. And, 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 and one yeah. last thing is that it feels a little like you to, like, came into controlling the power he has a little too quickly? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like, we never see him, I don't think, actually properly struggling with it. Yeah, so like, if the- I were, like, if, if he didn't lose it at the end, I would have suspected that the series would be about him learning to control yeah. it. But I guess they do, they do establish that time has passed. Yeah, like, the school year, at the very least, has ended. Yeah. So we're on to a new one. Yeah, and so. And a new batch of first years. Yeah, they've been, like, so, like, they say, like, oh, he's made remarkable progress in this time period that has passed. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. Not, not exactly. It does oh, feel. Sorry, sorry, in the movie, sorry. Yeah, in the movie, in the movie, show. yes, I, yeah. In the but yeah, it is still kinda quick, yeah, I agree. Um I guess uh final thoughts. I had fun. this was this was uh this was a wild ride. Uh I enjoyed it. Um I may or may not end up watching at least part of the show, um while I still have a free trial of Crunchyroll, which I signed up for thinking this movie would be on there, and then they only had the show, so I had to pay ten bucks to watch this movie. But you know what? I don't... I I don't mind spending that. I'll probably rewatch this at some point. Yeah. It's my final thoughts. Uh, for me, it definitely showed some... Okay. For me, it being in a movie format, I think definitely exacerbated some flaws that I don't know that I would have noticed in a more serialized format. Mm-hmm. Which is to say that the manga is probably a bit better overall as a narrative, mm-hmm. but overall, I still have quite a bit of fun of this. Yeah, glad I watched it. Yeah, uh, and then lastly for this segment, we have our 2022 pick, which is my pick for which I picked Zombies Three. Uh, brief summary of the plot of Zombies Three. Again, some time has passed in Seabrook, um, and, uh, they're to the point where I think it's almost, it, it's graduation time, um, and Zed is trying to get into college, uh, he wants to be the first zombie to attend college, uh, to pave the way for other monsters, um, and then aliens come to Seabrook, and they are looking for a map to their utopia, which is hidden in the most precious thing in Seabrook, which we eventually find out is Addison, who is actually an al- who is actually part alien, um, because her grandmother was an alien and then came to Earth, fell in love with a human had her mom, her mom had her, so she's part alien, as it turns out, <clears throat> and then she leaves with the aliens to help them find their utopia, and then they realize the utopia was Seabrook, and they all return and 
it all is good. <laughs> um, and the mothership is voiced by RuPaul. I just have to address that. <laughs> um, initial thoughts. Uh, you want to start on this one? Yeah, uh, my initial thoughts. Uh, Addison goes from Addison's driving motivation goes from being a bit silly. Uh, feeling to fucking infuriating here because I don't remember Zombies 1 the best, but this feels like Addison failing to learn the exact same lesson for three movies straight. And then she doesn't even fucking learn the lesson at the end. She just keeps going and things are fine anyway. <laughs> um... Oh, this is going to be an interesting discussion. Um, my initial thoughts, I think this is the best of the trilogy. <laughs> I, I had a blast with this one, um, because I think at this point, they kind of know how ridiculous it is, and are just going with it. And they, I mean, they had to address, it, it's also worth mentioning, this plot was teased very heavily at the end of Zombies 2, when a meteor comes down, uh, Addison says, weird, and her hair glows blue for a bit. <laughs> um. Uh. So, um. I I I think this one's just fun. I think it has the funniest like it's it's not it's not a masterpiece by any means, but like this cast really feels like an ensemble now and I feel like it is even though like it Addison's character arc is a little stupid. Um, uh, I think this caps off the trilogy well. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts. We clearly differ. Um, I think, okay, well, one thing we have to establish right away... Uh, this is not a Disney Channel original movie. This is a Disney Plus original movie. And they clearly gave it a bigger budget. Sometimes it doesn't show, but sometimes <laughs> it does. Yeah, like, um, like, it shows a bit more in, like, The Mothership, for yes, example. Voiced by RuPaul, again. We have to keep... They got RuPaul to be in this movie. <laughs> Voice. And shows less in, for example, the designs of the aliens, which are just teenagers with blue hair. Yeah. Which I, like, fits with the rest of the fucking world, where, like, zombies are mostly teenagers with green hair. Yeah, and grayish skin. And then, uh, the werewolves are... Look at the thumbnail. Yeah. Uh. But, like... Um... I... Eh, I don't know. I was a little disappointed that they didn't lean in on some kind of more wacky futuristic thing for the clothing. It looks a bit 
Yeah, they have those masks at the beginning, but then they take them off for the entire movie. Yeah, the welder's masks at the beginning. Yeah, welder. Yeah, they are welder's masks. Um, uh, I think this has the best soundtrack. Yeah, well, I'll give you that one. Yeah, this this has the best soundtrack. Um, the second movie because I didn't realize I didn't actually finish my thought on that when I first brought up it. Uh, I feel like the. Uh, I feel like the instrumental and stuff for the like the, for the second one. I feel like the non-lyrics were a bit of an improvement, but the lyrics still kind of hurt a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, this is not like here I, the lyrics hurt a bit less. Yeah, and the backing music for the lyrics is still good. Yeah, I think I think I'm finally me is a genuinely good song. I still definitely enjoyed Exceptional Zed. Yeah, Exceptional Zed was fun. Yeah. Um, uh, they do another really good reprise of Someday mm-hmm. with the whole cast. That I really liked because um, it comes at a very emotional moment where Addison has just gone off with the aliens. Because, yes, the the big twist is that she is part alien. Um, I... <laughs> I was thinking in my head as soon as that reveal came up, I was like, I've made this joke twice already, but I'm going to do it again. If I had a nickel for every time (laughs) Disney unintentionally made a film that did Rey's character arc in Star Wars, but better somehow, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's still strange that it happened twice. Um, at least, I don't know, you might disagree with this. I feel like... I disagree with you with this. Not because I think Ray's character arc was put down particularly well, but we're like... Ray's character arc isn't repeated three times to no effect. Yeah, I guess. It is just... Okay, okay. I hold, hold off, I'm going to try and actually get into it now. Yeah. Uh, okay. What these movies are ultimately about is disparate people coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And throughout it all, Addison's motivation is wanting a place where she feels like she fits in. And in the first movie, she start. And the first movie, uh, that was partly done by her just accepting how she is. Mm-hmm. And in the second movie... That's probably by accepting how she is. And in the third movie, also that, to a point. But the accepting how she is keeps getting weaker and weaker as they introduce more and more random groups for her to identify with. Yeah, I guess, like... like, By the third movie, like... The motivation is just really silly because she does have a place where she belongs with her fucking friends. Yeah, I like it's obviously like painfully drilled into your head mm -hmm. after she leaves, and all her friends are really sad that she's gone because she brought them all together and made them see the people in each other. Yeah, and they never finish that thought when Addison returns, and Addison doesn't return because she has that thought. She keeps chasing the idea of, oh, there is some group that is a lot like me that I can fit into 
when the group that she fits into is the people that aren't like her, that's the fucking point of the movies. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I think what what this film is going for, whether or not it succeeds fully, is up to interpretation. Um, I think it's like she. Throughout this entire... I think a lot of her arc has involves her putting others before herself. Like, she's brought all these people together, but doesn't realize... But doesn't fully realize that she has also brought them together with her. Again, I, I, I get you saying it, it, it's, you know, kind of sloppily handled in that regard. Okay, I... Um... Sorry, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying with that, um, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't I, have I'm a good argument. I'm go with you on this, if at the end of the third movie she fucking ever realized that she fit in but, with the people she was already with, because it's, she realizes that she's an alien, decides that she fits in with the aliens, fucks off, realizes Seabrook is actually great, and then comes back. She doesn't... You're great for the aliens, and then comes back. She never has the realization of, oh, I had fit in all along. Her friends have that realization for her when she isn't there, so she never learns the lesson. I, I think it's implied that she learns the lesson. <laughs> But, like, they drill so many other fucking parts of the lesson into you that not having an actual scene where she explicitly has shown to have learned the lesson is fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. This this movie also does a really... What I think is interesting, there are hints that, like... This might not be happily ever after for her, because we see hints of her having doubts about her relationship with Zed. I wish they touched on that a little more, because it feels like... Because she never confronts him with this. I, I That is an issue I have with this, is that she... We, we see... Um, I, th I think the, the song that they sing together does a really good kind of satirical job of um, looking at that. And then we see her hesitate to say that she loves Zed when talking with um, Aspen, one of the aliens, who also has a crush on Zed and then breaks up with him. <laughs> Before Zed even realized what the fuck's going on. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I think the aliens... The aliens in this are hilarious, particularly the guy, Alan. He has so many good lines in this. Like, and his delivery is really good. Like, I think he does a great job in this. Um, also, speaking of Aspen... Uh, bisexual representation in a Disney film, legitimately, like, awesome. Like, my, my only complaint there is that, like, because like the second love interest dynamic for her and I've forgotten the fucking main. Willa. Willa, thank you. The werewolf, yeah. 
between those two was introduced so late they don't spend any time on it. I oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's yeah. a Disney movie. They still have a long way to go. Yeah. But, like, hey, we got a bisexual character. And I think, unless you count Loki, that is the first bisexual representation in a Disney film. Like, specifically bisexual. Yeah, yeah, because, like, Loki isn't stated Loki to be bisexual until the show. And has yeah, and sex. that might fall into pansexual yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it's not entirely clear uh, with Loki. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was cool um, to actually have that. Yeah, no, I think... I, I think that they all have some really funny moments. This, this one had a The one... Again, there, were, there was another, like, butt-gusting laugh moment in this one. Where... So, the girl zombie that we forget the name of... Um, well, Jacob makes a comment when she first shows up, quote-unquote. Because she spends the entire oh, yeah. movie on, like, this computer screen. Mm-hmm. Um... And Jacob made a com- <laughs> Jacob specifically made a comment. Oh, I guess we know who had scheduling conflicts. Um, and there's a running bit where her like the tablet that she's speaking on it gets destroyed, and then there's a shot of Zed talking to Wyatt. Tries to confess. The- confess that he has a crush on her mm-hmm, yeah and there's a shot of zed talking with her on the tablet and the tablet is split in half with <laughs> wires connecting it with why it, it's literally like hanging by threads um but she's still on the screen and it's still somehow working and we just lost it at that point and then later on they fully fix the tablet and give it like a robot to move around on um but yeah this is also another exceptionally this kind of movie moment very early on where the aliens come down and are talking amongst themselves about oh about having to find the most precious thing in seabrook and then going hmm you know maybe these people won't be cooperative with our coming to steal the most precious thing in seabrook we need to come up with an alternate reason why we're here and then a poster for an upcoming cheerleader competition floats across the Folks in front of one of their feet. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck, what did I say audibly? It was like, oh, god damn it, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there was an exclamation there, because it's like, oh, yeah, of course they're gonna pretend to be cheerleaders. And then, of course, they're also fucking amazing at cheerleading, because there's a running bit. They're essentially like Shatterstar in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Where they're the just better naturally better at everything than everyone, and it's hilarious. They complete high school in 23 minutes, and it's a joke that it only took them that long because none of them could figure out the pencil, the pencil sharpener. sharpener. <laughs> and there's a bit where, like, again, Zed's applying to college, and uh, because, like, zombies can't specifically apply, um... And he he was going to he, he was hoping to get like recruited as a football player, uh, but then the football game didn't happen because of the alien invasion. Um, I guess, yeah. or the recruiter quit or whatever. Yeah. Um. And so he then turns to his plan B, or plan Z, 
Um, <laughs> see the letter after Y. Anyway, um, sorry. I have I'm to stop I'm myself or else I will quote that entire movie right I'm fucking glad now. My mind also, I'm glad your mind also went to the Spongebob movie. Yes, um... So, he applies for the scholarship for exceptional students, which is where the song Exceptional Zed comes in. Um, and so, he's trying to prove that he's an exceptional student, and they, so, the girl zombie's looking at his transcript, and he ranks third in the class, and then all of a sudden, he ranks, like, eighth and eighteenth, and it's like, wait, why am I going down? And then it's like... <laughs> Yeah, the aliens just took an entire semester. <laughs> it's fucking... Oh, it's so funny. I I love... I, the aliens in this are great. They're also, like... The... Like... The aliens are so much more interesting than the werewolves in this franchise yeah. because they're not trying to be interesting. They're just trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> like with the they're just trying to make it entertaining at this point. I think that's what I like most about this film compared to the others is that like the at this point these the allegories are mostly pushed to the side. Yeah. Mostly. There is... And I do like how they handle Zed's college application arc. That's yeah. probably the most nuanced allegory in this yeah. whole franchise. But the rest of the movie is just kind of... Fuck it, there's aliens now. Let's have some fun. <laughs> like, that's why I like this movie more than the other two. Overall, um, uh, yeah. do, do you have any other specific thoughts on this? Uh, not really, honestly. Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, final thoughts, um, is, yeah, I think we've, um, so yeah, final thoughts. Again, I completely understand all your arguments for why this film kind of sucks, but I do. I I think my previous statement sums it up pretty well. Um, that like the reason this is the reason I think this is the best in the trilogy is that it's not trying to be anything more than it is which is a dumb high school movie with zombies, werewolves, and now aliens. Um, and at the end, they... T and at the end, it's, they have another one of those animated segments like they have at the beginnings of all the movies. Um, and they they establish with the with the animated epilogue that later on vampires and mermaids come about and it's like i like that uh like it, at this point you know they i the 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 first movie was definitely going for something and succeeded on some levels failed on some other levels 
but it got massively popular. And then they pushed out, you know, Zombies 2, uh, which, again, I think is the weakest because it just kind of retreads the same ground, but not as good. And then this one's just... is like, you know what? Let's have a fun cap for this trilogy. And, like, let's... Let's put it on Disney Plus instead of Disney Channel. Give it a bit of a bigger budget. And, you know, some better songs overall. Um, And yeah. So, yeah, this one's just the most fun out of the trilogy. It may not be objectively the best, but it's the most fun, I think. I will say it is, yeah. And for my final thoughts, I will say, like, I agree that it is still fun. It just like for me, like certain things, mainly Addison, are just become kind of infuriating yeah. and distracts from the whole. But this kind of ties back into the thing that I said from my opening thoughts in the second mm-hmm. movie, which is that I feel like I've approached this from the with the wrong headspace. Yeah, it's like this is not a movie where you're necessarily supposed to care about consistent character arcs. Yeah. Which, I understand that that was a complaint I lobbied against Zombies too. but... This is, this is a movie in the same universe where werewolves get to randomly show up and go to high school because the Forbidden Forest... Is technically in the school district. within the school district. With no additional paperwork needed, apparently. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those... Yeah. Those are the the films. One, okay, yes. one thing that I oh. guess I will just quickly throw in, uh, as like a relatively unimportant detail, but I still like I like how like for each progressive zombie movie, like as a background detail, they will include more characters of whatever the new group was in the previous movie, like just mixed intermixed. Yeah, like, we're not drawing attention to like there are more like. In two, there are more zombies just, like, hanging out everywhere. And in three, mm-hmm. you can, if you're paying attention to this, there's a lot more random werewolves everywhere as well. Yeah, we even get a zombie judge for the cheer-off. Yeah. We're just like... In this one. It's a small thing, but it... I don't it's know, it's, it's more... It's thing. nice... It's a nice, subtle way of showing the yeah. film's message. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, anyway... So that is that segment of the stream. Uh, We are now going to move into a Discord call uh, where friends can join. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just briefly get that set up here so that we can join in. And then... All right, so we are now in, and I might as well just tag friends. All right. And then while we're waiting for people to potentially join the call, I will be right back. All right. Uh... Yeah, I guess I'll stall uh, for time. Um, God damn it, Siri, I'm never talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, what was the thing? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to say that because 
um, that there, there was a funny thing that happened last night with uh, Jacob Siri that um, happened not during one of the film viewings, but actually during um, something we recorded afterwards. Uh, we recorded a couple videos for the Hitmon channel after our... Um, after our uh, movie marathon, because it was too late to do the stream, but it was too early to go to bed <laughs> for us. So we just kind of, yeah. Uh. But, yeah, um, so, yeah, um, if anyone, uh, wants to join in, they can, um, you, So, yeah, um, I don't know if anyone will actually join in, but, you know, once Jacob gets down here, we'll, we'll just start, um, doing it. Actually, you know what? I'll play the, the intro and then give a recap for people who haven't, uh, seen the preview. So, yeah. Don't go simple and clean is the way that you're making me feel tonight. It's so hard to let it go. All right. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with uh, this segment, um, essentially, um, what we are developing a Kingdom Hearts. Esque crossover game uh, between Paramount Properties and Capcom. Um, the we what we have developed so far is a um, is an Ace Attorney esque game uh, in which our protagonist Pascal Fisher uh, from uh, Threshold Harbor um, teams up with. Uh, Maverick from Top Gun, um, which I, I keep finding it hilarious that we picked that, we picked him to be the character before the massive success of Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> so our sales are, that, that, like, we're good, we're good on that front, and then Sheen Estevez from Jimmy Neutron, um, these three team up to explore, uh, various worlds of Paramount properties uh, solving mysteries that are somehow interconnected, and today we're gonna finish developing this story, however long it takes. Yeah. Um, 
so far we have established chapter one uh, taking place in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. Uh, someone is creating these mutants, and uh, the Ninja Turtles obviously suspect Shredder, but it turns out um, his stash of mutagen has been uh, stolen and is being used by a mysterious third party um, who has recruited the likes of uh, Baxter Stockman and original character Dan Weasel uh, to help them develop these mutant warriors. Uh, M. Bison is also there and thinks he's running the show, but he really isn't. Um, and then after that, Donnie soups up the boat that um, Pascal, M Maverick, and Sheen came here in so that they can travel to other worlds. And uh, they then go into the world of Avatar The Last Airbender years before the birth of Aang during the time of Avatar Roku. Um, there appears to be uh, someone who has, um, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I need to get the names right. Someone has, is poaching these fox-like creatures, um, that can lead them to the library of Wan Chi Tong, um, so that they can, uh, pick up, uh, books on bending, uh, in order to give bending abilities to their uh, mutant warriors. Um, in this uh, world they encounter, I should say, April O'Neil helps them investigate in the TMNT world, and in this world they are helped by uh, oh, the Blue, Blue Spirit, Spirit, who is actually a time-traveling Sokka disguised as Zuko in disguise. Um... And, uh, not only is he there to help solve this mystery, but also help ensure that the war happens, essentially, which is screwing up the, the timeline. timeline, which also happens to be the plan of the, uh, Fire Nation, uh, general that is accused of poaching these fox-like creatures and later confesses to it, but didn't actually do it. He is simply a fall guy for, uh, for Sozin and the... The third figure. And, and yeah, the third party that we have yet to reveal. Uh, and now we venture into the world of the RMS Titanic from Titanic. Uh, Which begs, unfortunately, the first question of why exactly is the villain here? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we already uh, have discussed a an interesting moral quandary as well because, you know, these... Because, like, maybe Pascal, Maverick, and Sheen don't necessarily know that much about 
the war in the Avatar The Last Airbender world, but they are certainly familiar with the tragedy of the sinking of the Titanic. Um, and they are now in a unique position where they could stop it, but it would disrupt the timeline as well, potentially. Um, so... It also adds a ticking clock to the, to the mystery. Yes. Yes. Um, With urgency only felt by the protagonist, because everyone else thinks that the ship is going to be fine. Yeah, or do they? There could be some... I, yeah, um... We'll, we'll, we'll figure out uh, where we're going to go with this. Um, I watched the movie Titanic for the first time in preparation for this. Uh, fucking loved it. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. Um, oh, cool. We're getting spam commented uh, from girls18.xyz. Let me just block that Wonderful. and report it. Um, spam, okay, cool, and, uh, hide user on the channel as well, cool. Alright. Cool, okay, uh, so, um, here's the interesting thing. Now, you, of course, don't know exactly, you, you know, all the details of the movie. I can sum it up. I, I, I know mean, some like, of the major beats of the Yeah, least. yeah, because the main characters are Jack and Rose. Um, Jack is a, a poor man who wins his ticket to, like, Titanic gambling. Mm -hmm. um, Rose is an upper-class, I believe, 17-year-old, um, played, of course, by a 26-year-old. Mm -hmm. Um... As was the trend in even the now. Yeah. Um, but... It just reminded me of something really funny from Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, Riverdale. Anyway. Because all the teenagers are played by 26-something like mm -hmm. actors. And at one point in season two, I think it was, there's a plot twist where one of the teenagers is secretly actually 26. Of course. Of course. I have not seen Riverdale. I have seen a video on Riverdale way too many times. I've, God, that show is nuts. I've seen the aforementioned Alex Myers' videos on Riverdale. Uh, so I'm kind of up to speed <laughs> on the wacky shenanigans of Riverdale. Anyway. Um, so... And Rose is engaged to a woman... Or not a woman. That would be way too progressive for this movie. Uh, End time period. Yes. Um, she is engaged to a man she does not love, uh, who is just the most despicable human being. Um, later on, when the Titanic is sinking, he claims a child as his own to get onto a lifeboat. Um, uh, and survives the sinking... But then, in delicious comeuppance, uh, is, uh, bankrupted by the stock market crash of 29, and then kills himself after it. Um, but yeah. Um, 
anyway. Um, and the only re and the reason that Rose's mother is making her marry this man, um, is because their money is gone. Uh, they don't have money. They don't, they are not well off anymore. They still are accepted in higher class society because they have not, they, because people do not know they are poor now. Um, I think it had something to do with the father dying or leaving or something. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah. Um, but then she meets Jack, who's just a charming young lad, and they fall in love, and then the Titanic sinks and Jack dies. Um, Rose survives, lives to be, like, I think... I think the movie says, like, just barely misses 101, um, in age, not in Dalmatians, mm -hmm. um, and also there, this, this is, the, the framing device is that old woman Rose is telling these, um, deep sea divers this story, they are looking for a necklace known as the Heart of the Ocean, that was reported to have been made from a diamond from one of the Louis crowns. I forget which one. Um, and that Rose actually wore it on the Titanic uh, because it was a gift from her shitty fiancé. Um, and she does not reveal the fact to them that she still has it, and in fact, at the end of the film, throws it into the ocean. Um, and so, yeah, um, and the reason they know she wore it is because they, they don't recover the heart of the ocean, but they do recover the drawing, the, the topless drawing that... Uh, Jack drew of Rose on the Titanic in which she is wearing the heart of the ocean um, and nothing else. Um, so, yeah, that's what prompts her telling them this story. Now, um, this, this provides an easy... This provides an easy alternative to the mystery that the that the protagonists are trying to solve. Um, an easy option that we could go with, uh, which would be to have it where, um, because there is a point in the movie, and we'll have to. The only problem with this is if we want to do the ticking clock aspect, we have to fudge the timeline a little bit because just as the ship strikes the iceberg, there is a confrontation where um the shitty fiance, I need to look up his name at this point. Um Billy Zane's character um, accuses Jack of stealing the heart of the ocean and, in fact, plants it in his coat pocket. Um, 
So, what we could do is have fudge the timeline a little bit and have... We could have that be the mystery that Pascal, Maverick, and Sheen have to solve is maybe, like, I'm, okay, before I say the shitty fiancé or Billy Zane again, I'm pulling up his n actual fucking name. Caledon, Caledon Hockley. I'm just gonna call him Hockley. Hockley could recruit... Pascal, Maverick, and Sheen to investigate the disappearance of the Heart of the Ocean, be led astray to think that Jack is the one who stole it, but then investigate further as the ship is sinking and discover that uh, Hawkley planted it on him. That is one route we could take. Okay. Uh. It does make the timeline even tighter, because, like, they would essentially... Pascal, Sheen, and Maverick would have to arrive almost immediately before the ship strikes the iceberg okay. in order for the timeline to work on that. Okay. I like the idea of Pascal getting involved with this. I want to yes-and it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what if we have that, what if that's like the mystery that Pascal gets wrapped up in but that's not the reason why they're actually there. What if at the end of the Avatar segment they get a clue to where the shadowy villain is going next and is at the Titanic because it's a place that they can do some kind of meeting where there'll be no evidence left behind later mm, yeah. because the Titanic sinks. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they go to try and figure out who amongst the guest list of the Titanic not necessarily the list, but who on the Titanic is this shadowy figure? But Pascal can't help but get caught up in this secondary mystery. Yeah. And it distracts him. And the sinking of the Titanic then coincides with them losing their lead on that shadowy figure mm -hmm. because Pascal couldn't help but get involved in the drama of the people of the Titanic. Mm -hmm. And I want to yes and even further right. because this is something I have thought about ever since we picked Titanic. Even before I watched the movie, a plot, an important plot point that I want to establish in this chapter specifically. Because we have talked about... Uh, Red Hondeed being both a rival to Pascal and eventual love interest. This chapter, because Titanic is, is one of the greatest yeah. and most tragic love stories, I want this to be where we plant the seeds for that relationship. I like it. Um, so, um... In that case, it might be worth planting... Like, uh, starting bef like before this initial starting point. Yeah, like I would say, Red Hondeed is the one who gives them the tip that the shadowy fate that they have found ev that like, they maybe, have like, a maybe, lead. Like, he finds the clue, and they that the shadowy figure yeah. is on the Titanic because we also didn't establish anything with him in the Avatar chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be how he plays into the Avatar chapter at the very end. Is that he comes in and tells them, "Hey." 
this is going down, we need to go here, um, and, like, can thank, you know, and, and there can also be a nod to, like, thanks for your help, where he, he, he acknowledges Blue Spirit, because he knows that it's Sokka working for his agency, um, and that's also how we establish that the agency is the one that this is also how we establish that the agency has time travel mm-hmm. at their disposal. Um, because if they just went to that universe, they would end up in old Rose's time or perhaps mm-hmm. even after her death. Um, so yes. Um, so we plant the seeds for Pascal and Red's uh, budding romance. Um, I even thought of, like, a humorous interaction where, like, while they are investigating, they pass by the room where Jack is drawing Rose, and, like... Maverick could make some sort of comment because he's kind of a he's he's kind of a a bit of a ladies man. Um, obviously, Sheen can't see any of this. We can't corrupt him yet. Um, uh, he is but a child. <laughs> um, and there could be a moment where like Pascal. And Maverick end up just glancing in the window, and Maverick could make some sort of snide comment, and Pascal could be like, just just kind of brush it off, um, and then this is where it comes out that Pascal is gay, um, and uh, Maverick's like, you know what, I get it. Uh, also kind of somewhat alluding to the infamous volleyball slash football (laughs) scenes from Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. Um. I'm just thinking of a a joke slash very heavy-handed foreshadowing scene where Pascal and Red Handeed are, like, off to the side for a second, like, and I've haven't been following, like, Jack and Rose's little adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them starts describing a Jack and Rose's situation in a, in a way that as close as possible mirrors those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in this, yes, because in this situation, Red is definitely the Rose and Pascal is the Jack. Mm-hmm. Um... Hopefully, depending on the alternate endings that, because we're going to have three endings to this game, depending without the death. Who knows? knows? (laughs) Um, We'll find out in a couple hours when we've written it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so, um, so that's, that's going to be interesting because a lot of this will be focused more on character building before they start investigating the mystery, quote-unquote, of the stolen uh, heart of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, while also... So, like, they're they're trying to find a lead to the, this shadowy figure. Um, 
but they get distracted by character development and uh, this other mystery with the heart of the ocean. Okay, I like this. Um, pretty, uh, a, sim- a simple chapter compared to the last one, but also rich with story and character yeah. development. I like that. Ending, and still ending on the fittingly tragic note. Yes. Um, with, of course, you know, the Titanic sinking and them getting pulled into another portal, um, uh, forcibly so, as opposed to at the beginning where Pascal, uh, intentionally drove into the portal in the ocean. Um, and then they see Spongebob. And then Spongebob is there for the tonal whiplash to let yes, things out of it. The tonal, the insane tonal whiplash, and... And it gets even more insane when he recognizes Red and then we flash back to the Tony Awards. Because <laughs> that's where this story is going. Um, and of course... Um, oh. Also... Ooh, oh, I wonder if this is too much. Because <laughs> we've had a three-on-three fight at the... First of all, I think Red Hundi... We don't have a character from Titanic as the as the extra partner. Red Hundi is the extra partner for this chapter. Um... Um... Or we make it Kathy Bates's character from Titanic, which would be kind of fun, because uh, she's kind of she's kind of got a spunky attitude to her. She was known as the uns. I she she's based on a real person actually, because um, a lot of the characters besides Jack Rose and Hockley are based on real people. Uh, let me see if I can. Uh, uns. Unsinkable, unsinkable Molly Brown, um, who actually like helped a lot of people on the Titanic, and um, yeah, so well, anyway, um. Could maybe have her involved, I don't know. Um, minorly. Um, but for the three-on-three fight, I'm thinking, obviously M. Bison has to be there. Because he's everywhere. (laughs) And why the fuck he's on the Titanic? Who knows? Um, and then... Hockley should absolutely be one of the opponents as well, because this would be after... Pascal finds out that Hockley planted the heart of the ocean in um, Jack's pocket, and this would be as pro- this would probably be happening as people are trying to escape the Titanic on lifeboats. Um, what if the third is a living iceberg mutant? Ooh. <laughs> Created by the. Yeah. Create, created by the the villain. 
I like that actually. Okay, like so that. we'll go with that. It's, it's silly, but I like it. Yeah, it yeah, it's extremely like the silly. Villain, like, but for, like, like, like the villain like leaves that behind to distract them to further cover his escape. Yes, exactly. Um. Uh, so we've got that established. Is there anything else we want to establish story-wise with this chapter? Um. Now that's just too much of mine is a thing that needs to come back later. One thing that I think would be neat for this chapter is... Mm -hmm. To partly justify, like, it's starting so much before a lot of the big action happens. Yeah. Maybe have it be, like, their lead is, okay, he, they're going, the villain is going to be on the Titanic. Maybe it's not that they're there currently. So they're going to try and figure out where they're going to meet with whoever they're meeting with on the Titanic. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. And so the time spent following Jack and Rose is partly just literally investigating where the person could be meeting. Yep. Um... Cool. Ooh. Actually, I have another thing I want to add to this. Yes. We don't have a character from the Titanic as the the extra partner. We have Red Hondeed. But I think Red Hondeed should recruit Rose. I like it. Yeah. I I think that makes a lot of sense for her character. Um... So, and that doesn't necessarily have to be revealed right away that he recruits her, because obviously she'll be preoccupied with staying alive. Um, but that, like, there could be a comment, like, at some point where, um, like, Red could spot, because there's a part in the movie that's really cool, actually, where... As the ship is sinking, Jack is handcuffed to a pipe because he's been arrested for stealing the heart of the ocean. And Rose, rather than getting on a lifeboat to, like, escape and live, she goes to save Jack, gets a fire axe to, like, cut his handcuffs away. Um, And so, like... And she has to, like, swim through the water, like, part, this, it's below deck, so it is partially submerged at this point. She has to swim through the water with an axe to save Jack, because she loves him so much, which is awesome. Um, and so, there could be a part where Red catches this and says, I'll have to keep her in mind. Um, something along those lines. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so we've got that. Um. Alright. Cool. Um. Also, it would be kind of cool if, since we haven't seen Red Hondeed fight before, it, it, with him joining you for, as an option for the 3v3, if after Rose saves Jack... He gets the axe and uses that to fight. Um, that'd be cool. Um, because like he's got all this amazing tech, but he doesn't know how to fight. Um, that that could be a cool, interesting dynamic because Pascal knows how to fight. Um, 
He's fought a fucking avatar at this point. <laughs> um. Anyway. So, yes. Now, we have the flashback to the Tony Awards. Um. Where we see Red Hundeed solving some mystery along with blue presumably and whoever the vil whoever the secret villain is mm -hmm. as as we've established we want to make them a member of that organization yeah. um and this is where we establish them as a character so that the reveal can come later that they are the villain um so we have to develop that character um So, do we have ideas for, like, like what is, what is this character like? Are they, uh, oh, hang on. Well, blah, 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 blah. Oh, so, some, <laughs> one of my friends literally commented in the Discord, <laughs> I'm sorry, but nothing can beat out Kingdom Hearts' story, as complex as it may seem. The overall story is great. Um, ah, uh, what a wonderful shit post. Well, he he's a Kingdom Hearts fan. His Discord icon is Sora. Like he's uh, actually what a wonderful shit post. He's a <laughs> <of a> person. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's great. He's great. Uh, he he's from uh, college theater department. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna say, oh, I know, this is just a fun, this is just a silly experiment we're putting way too much effort into. Into. Alright. Um... Also, this doesn't have to come up now, necessarily, but I have been thinking about the mystery that is Pascal's mother. Because mm -hmm. we haven't... We've established his father as a character. Mm -hmm. We might do more with the father. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I'm not saying... The mother should be the villain, but what do we think of the mother being a member of the this uh, multiversal detective agency? And, like, that's where Pascal kind of got his... Like, he doesn't know it, but, like, something within him, like, is intrinsically don't know if that's the right word, link to his mother, which is why he has this knack for investigating and this passion for it. It's, like, hidden deep within him. You know what? I like it. Okay, cool. Uh, now we have to establish who... Okay. But not as the villain, probably? I don't think it's the villain. No. Okay. So we have to establish who... Our villain is who Red is currently investigating with. Um, 
who this character is. Um, so, like, obviously someone who at this point in the story, Red and Blue greatly trust, um, which may or may not play into our dumb name for them. (laughs) Uh, we'll figure that out at some point. Um... But, like, let's think of, like, other traits. Like, how how does this character play off of Red Hondeed differently than Pascal? Um, Because there should be some sort of dynamic here. Because we've established Red as, you know, he's, like... He's very professional, I would say pretty no-nonsense, um, but, you know, bef- you know, after this, like, Pascal sort of could bring him out of that a little bit and soften him. That's a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> um, but, you get what I'm going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Like, um... He opens up uh, with Pascal. Um, should we? Maybe we should establish more backstory with Red to help us develop this character. Because maybe they're like they have like these two have worked for the agency for a while. There there could be some sort of past established maybe here. Maybe they're going to father figure dynamic? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like maybe this guy is the original. Like he started... No, Blue started the agency, yeah. but this guy was the first recruit. Yeah. Uh, kind of like barely lethal when Jessica <laughs> Alba is the original Prescott. Of course. I forget if I... Did I show you that movie? You didn't show me, but you have talked about it. Okay. I fucking love that movie. Um, So, yeah. Um, So, an older... So, an older character. If if we want this this father uh, figure dynamic. Um... So, um, so, like, definitely another question to ask, because, like, we're trying to come up with characterization for this figure Mm -hmm. in their relationship with, to Red, what is their relationship to Blue as well? Um, well, again, they would have been, they would have been the first recruits, so at this point, like, other recruits have come and gone, but this character has stayed. And so, like, this character is the only character that Blue trusts more than... than well, I would... <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, yes, Steve... Okay. Sorry. I okay, hierarchy... About to make the joke. Okay, hierarchy of trust... Steve, our villain, Red Joe. 
<laughs> I mean, no insult to Joe. I, I, I just, I felt that, that, that felt like a joke. And I don't know the name of the guy who's current. Um, um, which actually we can, even though I haven't seen it, can kind of tie into this chapter too, because it is about blue and the current host auditioning for a Broadway musical. That is the plot of that movie, apparently. Um, so maybe, I don't know if, you know what? I should look up how that movie ends to see if they actually get into the musical. And if so, they can be nominated for a Tony. That's why they're there. <laughs> um, Alternatively, if they jump, it could be that it would just be good sports. Yeah. Uh, Blues Big City Adventure. That is the name of the movie. I could have picked it for our 2022 movie, but <laughs> I felt obligated to pick Zombies 3 since I picked Zombies 2. Let's see. Let. Oh, are you not going to give me the whole thing? Damn it, they just give me the premise. They don't give me the end. Okay. Do, do I have to look up? All right. Ending. <laughs> not the credits. The e I want to know how this movie ends. I think we may be the first person in the first person to have looked up what the ending of to want to know what the ending of this movie is. Um they bring back Steve I actually want to I actually want to watch this at some point. They bring back Steve and Joe, so that would be fun. Um Uh da, 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 da. Okay, recap. Okay, they, this is the whole plot. Alright. Uh, scrolling down. Josh realizes that we need to find the last clue when appears on stage with a woman's help. The third clue is found. Now that all three clues are found, we are now ready to sit in the thinking chair. Um which appears on the stage. Josh sits down in the thinking chair in Central Park and reviews the clues, which are a piano, rainbow curtains, and a theater. Um, the answer was a theater with rainbow curtains and a piano. <laughs> Josh shouts. <laughs> Josh shouts, we just figured out Blue's Clues and dances a victory dance. In parentheses, we just figured out Blue's Clues. That is it. <laughs> okay. So, okay. They don't... Aud okay, so they don't end up... I don't think they end up auditioning, actually. I think they get too distracted by the mystery. <laughs> okay, so... Whatever. The, the musical theater... Did they also not establish the name of the mu- Okay. Alright, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Um. Okay. So. This, so I also think to go with the idea of this, this villain having a strong connection to blue, 
I think he should be a like a showman. Like he is very performative, theatrical, um, which ties in well to this chapter uh, since they are at the Tonys uh, in Radio City Music Hall. Um, so I think. An interesting idea for how this, what this mystery is, is that I think an interesting way to do it, 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 one interesting route we could take is that whoever is meant to host these Tonys has gone missing and like the show is about to start. And so, while Red and Blue are investigating the disappearance of the host, our villain takes over as the host of the Tonys. And, like, this is what, like, like, he's just having a blast with it. Like, this is gonna be a fun villain. Like, um, and of course, at this point, we don't know he's the villain yet. Um, but he is having the time of his life hosting the Tonys. Um. Ooh, you came up with something. Okay, so. This villain has been here the entire, like, has been in part of the organization the entire time. Mm -hmm. Always, like, second to blue. Yeah. Uh, and now they're having an opportunity where, like, they are the center of attention. Mm-hmm. What if part of their motivation for taking over is wanting to stop, is, like, wanting to, like, not be the center of attention, but, like, <sighs> fuck, words, wording, wording. Underserved? What do they feel underserved by being just second to blue, essentially? Mm. Like, or, or underappreciated, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, especially because, again, he's... They have been here the entire time. Um, he... Are we, we're, we're firm on male villain? It sounds this, like we're firm okay. on male. Yeah. Because uh, of the father figure thing. Um... So, we have that, um, so yeah, he, he feels underserved, and maybe, like, maybe he doesn't even want to be a detective, maybe his, like, he had some life, like, I'm thinking, what, uh, so you do you finish your thought first. Okay. What if he What if he used to be a film actor or involved with film in some capacity at Paramount Studios? We established Paramount Studios as a as a company within this universe. Um which, you know, works. Um, because since we're going into different 
worlds, we could assume that in the in like our main like in the whatever universe Pascal is in, that Paramount exists as a company. Um, and something happened where like he. God, I'm about to make this just the plot of my channel lore, aren't I? <laughs> With like No, we're not gonna go we're not gonna go in that direction. Um but like something happened while he was an actor in whatever era he was an actor during whatever era was his heyday, um that ruined his career as an actor, whatever that may be. And now he just want like, so he had to get a job wherever he could. He ended up with Blue's Detective, Multiversal Detective Agency somehow. Um, ooh! Actor and aspiring screenwriter, perhaps. Like, maybe he writes a movie that doesn't get... That doesn't get greenlit mm -hmm. by uh, Paramount. Like, or like he... Or maybe he writes a movie, it does greenlight, but... And he stars in it, but it bombs and ruins his career. Some, something along those lines. Um, but, like... That's it's that writer brain that makes him a good detective. Um or something. And but now he comes up with this plan and we have to figure out how what his plan exactly is and how bending mutants fit into it. I have a yes and. Okay. You. Okay. Shoot. What if we also, like, establish, like, a... Okay. Uh, a different, like, approach to the idea of the mysteries that, to Blue. Because, like, Blue, I think we've established in the past, Blue is there for the love of the game. They just, like, she just loves solving... He just loves mysteries and solving mm -hmm. mysteries. Yes. What if our villain is there less for this, like... Like, for what they get out of solving mysteries, it's less solving the mystery as getting the criminal. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so, and so he, and so the army ties into not wanting to, like, do anything necessarily related to solving mysteries, but essentially eliminating crime in some way. Like they think they, like they want to impose an iron will to prevent crime and prevent mysteries because when there are no more mysteries he can go back to acting. I'm gonna yes and off of that. It's not a box office bomb that ruins his career. He gets blacklisted from Hollywood for catching some illegal activity at Paramount with one of the executives or whatever, and they find out that he knows and he is blacklisted from Hollywood as a result. I like it. Yes, okay. Uh, then additionally, once his will is enforced, 
he can just go back in the door whenever he wants. Yes, exactly. Um, and, like, and even, like, we could go as far as he wants total revenge. He wants to take over Paramount because once he rules Paramount, he will rule all these universes because they are all Paramount properties. Yeah. Um, so he can make them as he wishes. Um, so, um, we need a good, like, actor name. I'm fit, like... Okay. So, like, we're doing, like, a pun based off of them being an actor, then? Yeah. I like, okay. Gold and age. I like it. Gold and age. Alright. Because to also fit with the color scheme with red and blue, even though blue is a pre-existing character. But, you know. You know. Um, so. Um. So, yeah. Um. And this... Okay. So now we have to actually work on... Now that we've developed the backstory for Golden Age... Um, to jump forward really far, I would be amused at the idea of when the story's over and Gold has been arrested, like, his denouement is he starts acting in prison theater productions... That could be one of our end, one of our three endings. Like the, like the good ending is that he is stopped, but still like gets to live out. Like, like he starts a theater troupe in the, the prison. Yeah. Like I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> um. Um. Which would imply some kind of minor redemption, at least minor redemption. Yeah, arc. minor redemption arc. Um. So. Okay. And my so what I want for this chapter is like they find clues leading to the whereabouts of whoever was meant to host the Tonys um and but they don't figure out who kidnapped him or or what made him go missing or or him or her um because it was golden age who just and this was this isn't even part of his massive plan this well it could be it depends on who is hosting the tonys that's true who do we oh god so what goals to take over paramount and they could be someone important at Paramount. Maybe maybe a a particular star who like like a I I have one idea. Yeah. Um because uh I don't know if you've seen any of the uh, Mount Paramount advertisements for uh, Paramount Plus. 
but essentially they are they're skits of a bunch of paramount characters living on top of a mountain it's it the it's it's you know it's just an advertisement for paramount plus essentially and they 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 these characters interact in fun ways and there's one recent one i discovered with the substitute teacher from key and peel of course played by keegan michael key um mispronouncing all these characters names um what if the host he kidnaps is keegan michael key (laughs) I kind of like it. Honestly. Okay, we just get Keegan Michael Key to cameo in this video game. He'd do it. I, I'm sure he would. He's playing Toad. Yeah, because Toad himself. Yeah. Of course, we can't legally. I may, maybe in the in the Switch version, he had we he has a Toad outfit or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Um. So we have that. Okay, so he kidnaps Keegan-Michael Key, who is hosting the Tonys. Um, I like it because it's not too big a get, but, like, Keegan-Michael Key would probably host the Tonys. Yeah. Like, he, he, has an, he has enough theatrical experience. He was one of the better parts of the film adaptation of The Prom. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase. Secondary to add on to this, yeah. what if Gold needs to kidnap him in order to find the location of Mount Paramount? Because in this universe, it is just where it is like mm-hmm. it's not like the one in the advertisements. It's like the logo, and on top of the mountain, the logo yeah. is like actual Paramount Studios. Yeah, yeah, and it, that is yes. He, like Keegan Michael Key is literally the key. To, yes. to Paramount. <laughs> oh, this is so <laughs> funny. And, like, that, obviously, that's where the final boss, that's where the final fight takes place, obviously, uh, is on top of Mount Paramount. Um, um, yeah, um, so, it's, it's where these universes converge, and it is also where, like, Paramount Studios is, yes. I like that a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and of course, this chapter will be filled with other, like, musical characters. Obviously, Spongebob will be there. Uh, definitely want Grease to be in there. Um, we don't have to specify all, unless there's some that we want to be important to the narrative. Um, are there any... I have a list here of, like, Paramount-owned musical properties uh, if we want to... And I didn't put Spongebob on there, but Spongebob is included. We can also have... We can also have, like, theoretical musical adaptations of other Paramount properties. Like... I don't know. Also, technically, Titanic would be counted, too, because there is a Titanic musical. Um, um, Popeye is there is the thing. Yes, yes, so that's I right. Think Popeye. We we... something for Popeye to be yes. doing there. Well, yeah. So like his musical, because his musical has only been in film; it hasn't been on stage. Yeah. So maybe like 
this is, like, Popeye. Mm. Okay, what if, like, because they have all the musicals, like, perform a song mm-hmm. at the Tonys. That's kind of a big thing. Like, they get the cast in there, and they perform a song or a medley of songs. Uh, they don't do anything for the plays, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Um, so, they have brought the Popeye musical from screen to stage at this point, And it has become a massive hit. He is no- it is nominated for best... Uh, for best musical, um, in this weird as amalgamation of universes, Popeye is performing as himself, um, and he is getting ready to perform, but then he, but then he hear he senses something he senses the storm from the beginning of the game that pulls pascal maverick and sheen into the universe so like he has to and like we'll say he has a souped up boat like they do um and so he has to leave the tony ceremony right before his big performance in order to like facilitate that journey he was like i i am needed out i'm needed elsewhere anyway uh, that's that's my popeye impression it's not great uh and so he goes off and like yeah i think that works um so just a just a small little thing and then Maybe maybe he is. Maybe he also sees something like he notices something up with Golden Age. Yeah. Um. Like. Like he he a potentially neat thing we like yeah. fun thing we could do would be like maybe while he's there he sees something that ends up implicating Golden Age without either of those two realizing what's going on and so later Popeye offhandedly mentions it and it causes all the pieces that are falling together for Pascal. Yes. Yes, I like that a lot. So. Although for that, this means we have a secondary thing we need to do, which means we need to actually have Pascal meet Golden Age before the finale. So he'd be capable of putting that together. Oh, don't worry. I fully intend on having all of these characters in the Clue chapter. Brilliant. Just for absolute mayhem. Um, I even came up, because, well, we'll get to it. Um, okay. So, and I think that that's good yeah. um, for that chapter. So now we move on to... SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Bikini Bottom, uh, where the next chapter will take place. Uh, I think, I think this one has room to be a bit different from the other ones mm-hmm. because the villain has just escaped. It would potentially be a bit silly if the villain escaped and then Pascal literally falls into where the villain was plotting. The villain's plot was going on next. Yeah. 
So do we want this plotline to even actually be related to everything else? Or could it just be a Pascal... Pascal character work plotline? Uh, maybe not seemingly... There could be... Well, we, we could go one of two things. We could either have it be completely unrelated and just have it be character development for Pascal. Or we have it seem like that, but actually it was a plan that he put in place a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, like, because obviously he would have this all planned out. Um, and I also thought... And also, that also brings us to two different directions we can take this Spongebob chapter. We can either complete a completely original mystery related to Spongebob in the Spongebob universe, or we just loosely adapt the movie. Or, third option, we loosely adapt the original proposed plot of the movie where Patrick gets kidnapped. Ooh. Because that was originally what they had planned for the plot of the movie to be was Patrick Patrick gets kidnapped and Spongebob has to save Patrick, but they worried it would be too similar to Finding Nemo, which is why they went with the plot with uh, Neptune's crown. Um, uh, or we could create something uh, completely original. Since I've kind of taken the... I kind of took the reins on Titanic and somewhat with the Tonys... Uh, I'm going to let you uh, sort of take uh, the reins on Spongebob since it's a franchise you are familiar with. I instinctively want like the idea of adapting like the movie or the original cast for the movie, but my issue there is that there's not a lot of mystery to work in throughout the chapter. Yeah, fair like, enough. Because mm -hmm. most of the Spongebob movie is the journey to get the, to the Neptune's crown, yeah. where then they learn... That, oh, it was Plankton the whole time. Yeah. And then yeah. just come back. So there's not a lot of actual mystery there to mm -hmm. work with. Yeah. So I think doing something more original would be a good idea, but we could okay. at least, like, reference stuff from the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we legally can, because yeah. Paramount. <laughs> the show can't, but we can. Exactly. Um... So... We have the opportunity to be the Suspiria SpongeBob continuation. <laughs> Wait, what? We have the opportunity to be the superior Spongebob continuation. We do! <laughs> um, uh, anyway. Oh, uh, that's interesting. So do we, with that in mind, do we want, uh, just to get us started off, do we want this to, like, to, to be, as you put it, the superior Spongebob continuation, do we want this to be canon to the movie where, like, at this point in time, Spongebob is the manager of the Krusty Krab 2. Yes, let's do that. Okay. I think it'll be fine. Oh, and then I... I had a thought. Yep. Okay, if we're continuing on for the movie, how about this? The initial lead into the plot is Plankton has escaped from prison. Mm-hmm. Makes and sense. is... And so the central mystery is trying to just track down Plankton. But over time, we start to fight. And initially, it seems unconnected. Yep. But over time, we start to figure out that Plankton actually, at some point, was working with gold, Golden Age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But course. not necessarily that closely. So he's not only. 
but while he was in prison, Golden Age didn't need to worry about him at all. Now that he's escaped, he's a loose end. Oh, okay. So, like, it is a ra- So, like, they don't realize so, it, but, like, if they don't catch Plankton, Golden Age could fucking kill Plankton. Kill Plankton, <laughs> or just alternatively capture him. Yeah. Killing Plankton is a bit of a tall order. It is a bit of a tall order. Um, but like, I also... But then we can also have that be the initial introduction to Golden Age, where he's just... Where seemingly he's just an additional agent who was sent, who has come to help with the funding situation, unrelated to Red, who fell into it by happenstance. Yep. Okay. Yep. That that seems like and a good organic way to do it. We could expand more on him. Yes. Um. I also came up with we. This idea is stupid. Yes. But okay. So. The reason Golden Age The reason Golden Age and Plankton were working together Golden Age has this army of bending mutants but they need to be sustained. They need some sort of energy. I see where this is going, I think. Now, Plankton could just attempt to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula, as he does, as he successfully does in the movie. But what if they try that and the Krabby Patties are not sustainable enough? So, as a marketing stunt for the Krusty Krab 2, Mr. Krabs creates... The Krabby Patty 2. <laughs> and this, as it turns out, is sustainable for the Bending Mutants. Uh, so they it. have to steal that formula, because it's slightly different. I love it. I love it. And then you could also have a joke in, like, Coke, like, New Coke or whatever, where it doesn't actually taste as good as the original Krabby Patty. <laughs> yes, but for some reason... That we do, we don't have to explain why it wor- it works and the Krabby Patty one does not. It just does. It just does. It just does. So that is why Golden Age and Plankton were working together. They initially stole. It, we could we could have flashbacks of the movie where Plankton steals the formula successfully while Krabs is frozen. Um. And takes it to the chum bucket and starts making Krabby Patties, and then they try giving the Krabby Patties to the... To a test mutant. Yeah, to a test mutant, and it doesn't work. And so instead, they then are like, we kind of retcon the movie a little bit and add the Krabby Patty to... And this still is taking place at the time... That SpongeBob and Patrick are off investigate are off trying to find Neptune's crown, um, in Shell City. Uh, so they get the formula for the Krabby Patty two now, and that works. Um. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. Slight shift to that. Okay. 
Okay. We keep the Pirate Party 2 stuff. Mm -hmm. But, what if, because like, Golden Ninja's turned down Plankton as a loose end. Mm -hmm. What if Plankton tries to use the Pirate Party 2 as a potential better fuel source to buy himself time? Like, Golden Age finds him first, Plankton pulls out this as a desperate move, uh, mm -hmm. with some, maybe some kind of proof that it might work or something, even. Yeah. Uh, and then they team up for long enough for, to do the Cryopatia Secret Form and the Stealing stuff, shenanigans again. And that way, the final, the, the battle in this... Uh, and that we... arc can also include some Krabby Patty two fueled mutants, and it gives Golden Golden Age some cover because, as far as anyone who's familiar with the situation is doing, Plank is just doing what he always does. Mm -hmm. It's not immediately obvious that Plankton is working with someone else or under duress. Yep. Yeah. All right. I like that a lot. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so they, yeah, so the mystery is that they just, they have to track down Plankton, who has escaped from prison. Golden Age finds him first, although we don't see that it's Golden Age who found him. Or when, when do we want to reveal that Golden Age is the villain? Because of Spongebob clue and then scream, right? Spongebob scream clue. Okay, Spongebob scream clue. I think revealing it during clue would be most ideal, but here... Like we plant the first seeds of it. Yeah, yeah. So like we see, not we see the conversation, but we don't see. We see the conversation happen, but we do not see gold golden age. We we see plankton yeah. talking to golden age. Um. And so. Yeah. Um. And then maybe we get a moment where, like, at the end, Plankton is being hauled back to prison, and he says something ab about, like, working with someone else that gets cut off by him getting, like, shoved into the yeah. the jail car. Mm -hmm. uh, and on his own, it sounds, oh, Plankton was working with a mysterious area figure, but with additional information, it sounds like, what, with the usual context of that Golden Age is the villain... It becomes not obvious in hindsight, but like a connecting point in hindsight mm -hmm. that he was working with Golden Age. Yeah. Yeah, that he was working with this third party, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um uh, oh, my sister's wondering when to pick me up. Yeah, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. <laughs> um We have other things to figure out first. Yes. Uh and then the final the the fight, the the three on three fight well, first of all, obviously I think SpongeBob would be the partner for yeah. this investigation. Or some or would SpongeBob make the most sense? As I mean, working the for the would, agency. The funniest would be Gary. <laughs> but I don't know if Gary would work on a three V like three V three. Unless we make so him the unless we unless we make him librarian Gary. From the from the sleepy time episode, yes, but even then, yes, uh, body and it like throws books. Like we can alternatively have it be like Gary is the representative, but SpongeBob just takes his role in the fight because Gary can't. Oh yeah, I like that. Like SpongeBob like, SpongeBob. is SpongeBob is helping with the in, or SpongeBob is under the impression that he is helping with the investigation <laughs> and bringing Gary along. Yes. 
I like it. Yes. Oh, I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> I like Sorry, that a lot. Sorry, I just have a really dumb thought. Yeah, yeah like, go with it. Because, like, with SpongeBob becoming manager of the Custer Crab Team, he gets an even bigger hat. Mm-hmm. Just imagining Gary underneath the even bigger hat, almost ratatouille Yeah, ratatouille him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait, can we actually make that the thing? Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Like... Like, Spongebob's just happy to go along. He does he he's like too dumb to realize that's what's happening. He is in control of himself. Yeah. Even (laughs) though he's had his brain controlled before. Um that's that's funny. Yeah, no, I like that a lot actually. And then it yeah, it's eventually at the end once we reveal that all like all the Members of the agency, it's revealed that Gary was one of them. I love that. That's great. Because <laughs> he gets the bigger hat. That's right. that's genius, dude. <laughs> that's so genius. Oh, man. Okay. So then, for your opponents... Plankton is obviously one of them. Plankton, probably... We discussed... Pilo- probably piloting a robot. Probably piloting a robot. We just get, like... You've mentioned, like, a power, like, an even more powered-up bending mutant, so we could yeah. we have them be vaguely fish-themed because we're underwater. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do we throw an M-Bison? I, I guess well, we throw we an threw M-Bison. We bison last time, I think, right? I think we've thrown an bison into every fight so far. Well, then you may as well keep him there for tradition. Yeah. Yeah, so it's M. Bison. And also, the conversations between M. Bison and Plankton will be priceless, <laughs> I feel. that I feel like that, that'll be a fun dynamic. Um, maybe, like, if this game were to get a sequel, like, M. Bison, Shredder, and Plankton could all kind of be, like, a trio, like, in a sequel, potentially. Uh, although this also means that we might need to bring back, we need to actually remember to bring back Shredder for a couple of things as well. I, I mean, theoretically, we don't have to in this game, necessarily. True, true. We don't have to. Um, we can, but we don't have to. Alright, so I think we've got good work for the Spongebob one. Now, we move on to Scream, and I have notes for this one. Now, you are not super familiar with the Scream franchise. Not very, no. I have seen the first movie and the most recent one, which is sort of the, the requel, as they they refer... The Scream movies are very meta, which also plays very well into this meta-narrative of Paramount that we've already established. Um, so... I mean... The mystery in this is easy to to formulate. We just got to figure out what exactly we want to do with it because how the Scream movies work, they they are very formulaic but very fun, at least the two that I've watched um, of five and then a sixth one coming out early this year, um, which is weird to say this year now. Um, like, uh, you guys going to take a while to get used to? But, um, so, takes place in Woodsboro, a fictional town in, I forget what, I think it's California? Yeah, because they're, because they also make these horrifying incidents into films within the universe, which is fucked up. <laughs> um, 
So, every movie is a, a group of characters, and there is someone, usually two people, except for the third movie, which I've heard is the worst one, um... There's usually two people dressed as Ghostface going around killing people for whatever reason. So there's our plot for this chapter. There is a, a Ghostface killer or two. Um, I also thought of the idea of not revealing it quite yet. Or, okay. We have two or three ghost face killers, mm -hmm. potentially. One of them is just straight up Golden Age. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's revealed at, like, at the very end of the chapter that he was a ghost face killer. This is where we is reveal him as the villain, and then they all get transported to Clue. And just have to deal with that. <laughs> And just have to deal with that information as they are in a house. And then he, as a result, that provides an interesting dynamic for the Clue chapter. Because then he is the obvious suspect of the killer. But depending on which ending you get in the game, he might not actually be the killer in the <laughs> Clue chapter. He might not even be involved with the murders in the Clue chapter at all. Um, you're thinking. I'm thinking. Who voiced the thinker in Night at the Museum 2? I don't know. <laughs> that just... That's it, a poll. That's a poll. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, oh, it was just Hank Azaria. Who also played the villain. Alright. Forget the villain's name. Um. I don't want, I want to rewatch those movies at some point. Um. Anyway, those are... Fox, now Disney. We can't talk about those. Um, I have totally mixed thoughts on this idea, but I can't quite put them into words. Okay. Because... They don't know how much it makes sense necessarily. Because I like the idea of him being a ghost face, like, or at least discussing himself as a ghost face killer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if having him be caught here is necessarily the best or pacing if we're immediately jumping into Clue. Because, like, once do, he gets. Do we want him transported to the Clue universe? while still dressed as Ghostface and have the reveal <laughs> happen later. <laughs> like, they're just like, wait, why is there a Ghostface killer here? Wait, was there a third Ghostface killer? <laughs> that could work. Something along those lines could work as, like, a clue, potentially, but... 
don't know, just... With all the build-up that he's had for having this army, mm-hmm. him getting caught just randomly murdering someone in a seemingly unrelated sequence, and then going from... Okay. Oh, oh! just to clarify, I wasn't saying they catch him. I was saying he reveals himself. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. That makes more sense. Um... Which I think would be totally in line with his character at this point. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, depending on how, how we write this uh, scream thing. So, also, I mentioned I have notes for this. I have... There is... Oh, I need to actually... I need to give this YouTuber credit. Um, uh, in character... I just need to... Okay, Zach Cherry, he is a YouTuber that does a lot of horror movie related content, and he made this great video analyzing the all the different character types in the Scream franchise and how to de- and how based on the patterns we have seen in the five thus far Scream film Scream films, how to figure out whether or not a particular character type's character whether a particular character type's representative for that film is the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have written down the different character types of the Scream franchise. Um, so um, we have the hero mm-hmm. who you know drives their own storyline, generally uh, portrayed in a positive tone. Um, and there's been one instance where the hero type has actually been the killer. That is in Scream 4. Um, and if they are the killer, uh, the film portrays them with a lack of empathy and other characters exposit on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the confidant who is a close character to the hero. Um, they usually play a prominent role but are submissive um usually if there's some storyline that they are directly connected to that then doesn't go anywhere related to the main plot that indicates that they are innocent um and they, if they are the killer, they are identified not by their relationship to the hero, but in spite of it. Um, if that makes sense. You can look at these as well as we're developing this one. Um, there's the Devil's Advocate, who is clo- another character close to the hero, but oppositional. They often have a lot of influence within the character group. Um, possibly overprotective. Um... They prioritize themselves, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that they are a killer. Um, they may be manipulative in some way. Uh, they aren't necessarily complex narratively. Um, but they... If they will often, if they are not the killer, have others' best interests at heart, even if they seem to prioritize themselves... Uh, and self-preservation, but if they are the killer, they are likely to project guilt onto others uh, when, you know, trying to figure out who the killer is. 
Uh, there is the apathetic friend, uh, defined by passive indifference, unsympathetic, reckless, often comic relief, um, usually portrayed in a negative tone. If they're not the killer, they will be killed. Um, and if they are the killer, they delight in the killing. Um, there is the hidden in plain sight character, which is almost everyone else that is in the film. Um, they are usually invisible or under the radar, um, basically glorified extras, uh, rarely will be seen as the killer. Um, there is the wild card, which basically just applies to the killer in Scream 3, because that film was heavily rewritten at the last minute, um, and their character is aimless and undefinable. <laughs> um... And then there is the Red Herring, who will never be the killer, but they have a bad reputation, which makes people suspect them, and an over-the-top negative tone, but no further complex development as a character. So those are the character types we are working with. And for this one, obviously, we gonna be creating a bunch of... It, we're we're gonna be creating a bunch of disposable original characters mm -hmm. for this, and then presumably two to be the kill the ghost face killers um and because of the meta-ness of this franchise um i think you and i should be characters in this chapter <laughs> all right and alex and whoever else we want to throw in there all right i'm um, up for that yeah i have one thought leading in yes okay so we have Golden Age as a potential third ghost face killer. Yep. Excuse me. I had a thought related to this. Okay. What if, first off, the reason that we go here is because, like, just before the villain's plan is about to be fully enacted, uh, one of the current ghost face killers calls Golden Age... And taunts him by saying that he knows, he or she knows about Golden Age's plan. But in a way, but uh, as part of the intro, Pascal and Red and everyone else are also listening to the call, and Ghostface is being vague enough that I think it's just someone, I think they just have a lead. Or, and that's totally having... something the Ghostface killers would do, too. They, yeah. they are very. They are very prominently known for taunting people over the phone. <laughs> yeah, and so they go to the screen world to ostensibly find the Ghostface Killer in order to find out who this grand schemer is, but for Golden Age, it's to kill the Ghostface Killer. Ooh, I like that a lot, actually, and, yep. And he, as the third Ghostface Killer, kills the first... Kills, not the first, uh, necessarily... Just yeah. one of the ghost face killers, at least. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. And then the transition to the clue world is them figuring out, wait a second, some additional party has come in here, and maybe some other characters from outside of that came, from outside mm -hmm. the world come in as well, yeah. and then they all get transported to the clue world mm -hmm. to hash out the situation. Yes, exactly. While other, while also the murders that take place in the clue movie are also taking place yeah. and somehow roped into this plot as yeah. well. 
No pun intended, because like, one of them could get killed by a rope. Because yeah. the clue world, despite what's going on in it, has been, has been arbitrarily picked as the world where internal conflicts are sorted out. Yes, in a very comedic way and farcical yeah. way. Um, so... Also, I'm going to bring this up because I, I had the thought realized... Someone should at some point, if only for a gag, sit down in the thinking chair from Blue's Clues. Yeah. I don't know how we'd work I, it in. No, I, I actually funny. really like the idea of, like, of Pascal... I, I actually really like the idea of, like, now having seen Golden Age active not 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 seeing his evil deeds but seeing him active in bikini bottom and woodsboro um that he like um that he like in the clue world they just because it's a nice house, they would have a nice red chair, and it just so happens to be the same make of the the thinking chair from Blue's like Clues. Like it. And it's, like, this really serious deduction scene where, like, he's putting all the clues together, obviously more than three. Um, Four, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> and he deduces that Golden Age is the mastermind behind this whole thing. So, yes. I like that a lot. Um. Um. Uh. Actually, back to screen. Yes. So, now we need to figure out what, what characters we're throwing in and what character types they fulfill and who the killers are. Okay, so I guess to start... Who are me, you, and Alex? Yes, that is... Well, first of all, we also should establish... Uh, Pascal obviously fits into the, her the hero type. Um, and um, I would say that... Um, I, I would say that uh, Maverick, Sheen, and Red all fall into the confidant role. Um, because there can be, there can, of course, be more than one character for each type, but usually there's one hero, uh, maybe two, depending. Um, so, so, and I have left margins here so we can mark who fits into what, uh, category, so. We're ready for thinking ahead. Oh, also, I wanted to do something fun with um the partner for this because um my mom is calling i should probably um answer that uh, fair enough i will uh, just i'll be right back all entertain right entertain the people okay uh step okay well uh feels rude to do creative this project stuff while Noah's out of the room. So, uh, let's talk about other shit. Uh, 
Okay, well, here's the thing. There's been some speculation amongst the fandom for a little series called Chainsaw Man. I may, you may have heard of it if you've watched me and Noah do any Let's Plays instead of just the podcast. Uh, but a fair warning, if there is a Chainsaw Man movie, I am making Noah watch it for the podcast. <laughs> Regardless of whether or not it'll make any sense to him out of context. Uh, so there's that. Uh... As for other stuff... Oh, he's back. Okay. Alright. Uh, kind of unrelated to the stream, but I figured I should ask now so that I can give my sister an answer. Um, should she come pick me up or would you be able to drive me home? I can drive you home. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that I don't have to worry her with a non-specific time at this point. Some more behind-the-scenes um, stuff for the audience. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Just texted her that, so. We're good. Um. So, the thing I was going to... Um, so, the fun thing with a partner... Because I imagine this... Now, I don't obviously know all the plot details of the upcoming Scream 6, but it involves a Ghostface incident outside of Woodsboro with the characters from Scream 5. So my idea is not having any of them involved, because I don't want to risk contradicting anything from that movie. All right. So this is a completely independent incident... Of that. Um, so for our helper. Now, spoilers for Scream 5. Uh, Dewey, uh, who is a who is a cop, who is a character in all of the five Scream movies so far, actually gets killed in Scream 5. Oh. Um, yeah, kind of a big deal, uh, killing off one of the legacy characters uh, who's been there since the beginning. Um... So I so Woodsboro needs a new deputy. And we haven't really taken full advantage of the Capcom uh properties at our disposal. So, for the partner for this chapter, I want Leon S Kennedy from Resident Evil. <laughs> Fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, I thought that'd be fun. Oh god, yeah, because he was originally a cop. Yes, exactly. So he's just like, until, basically, like, there was a ghost face incident going, there's another ghost face incident going on in Woodsboro, and like, he's made aware of it because he's part of the detective agency, and he's like, well, until they get a new deputy, deputy who can handle this, I will... So, he becomes your partner for the chapter. Um. Which I thought would be fun. Uh. So. And then. Would also throw him in, in under confidant as well. There's a lot of confidants in this scream. Uh. All right. So, based on these, ba based on these, uh, 
character types. Uh, which ones do we think that we fit into well? Um... Uh, pardon me finds the idea funny of... Okay. For some reason my mind jumps to Alex being the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe because of the aimless and undefinable, I could... Yeah, like, but he's not one of the, but he's not one of the killers. Yeah. Uh, we just, like, he is just, like... He is doing three separate things this whole time, because he also was written up, rewritten at the last minute as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very meta, like, he doesn't even know why he's there, <laughs> like, like, this is all part of the plan somehow, like... Oh, it could just be a consequence of all the recent multiversal travel that's, like, pulling people in, and that's why everyone gets pulled into the clue world at the end. Um, so we have that. Um, and then... Um... I... am also... Even though they've, they've had, okay, they've had one hidden in plain sight character. It is Mrs. Loomis from the second movie. Um, I'm, I'm going to classify gold as hidden in plain sight. I like that as well. Um, because he won't really be doing much in this chapter, but then like, or at least not seemingly, mm -hmm. but, um, he of course is... One of the, in this instance, three killers. Uh, which is wild. Um, but not a wild card. That's Alex. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, honestly where I would fit in the... Because there's, like... I mean, this is not going to be a one-to-one -one representation yeah. of me, but, like, like, I look at the comic relief under Apathetic Friend, and I'm also thinking, if I were to, if we decided to make me one of the killers, um, just for, like, because one of us could be the killers, we, we, we could decide that, um... That, like, I would very much be the stew mocker of this chap, who is the Matthew Lillard character from the original. Um, that, that is how I would imagine myself as. Um, or, like, I mean, realistically, of any of the characters, I am most, like, Randy. I forget which character. I think he is Devil's Advocate. Um, he's, like, the one who, he's the one who explains all the rules of horror movies to people. Like, he, he is the mo he is the film geek of, of the franchise. Um, so, um, but, I don't know. Um, which, uh, I mean, I guess, I feel like you and I would definitely have a dynamic mm. in this. So, like, which, which character type do you think you would fit under? And we'll 
figure out how, or is there two character types that play well off of each other and also work with us? I kind of like it if Wonderful Sword loses the red herring. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Because, like, a lot of the dynamics is going to come down to the more specifics of how we interpret. Yeah, so one one of us has some reputation in in this place where it's like, oh, they're, they're not, like, oh, man, I'm trying to think, I'm, hmm. I mean, I'll take bad reputation. I yeah, I I didn't want to say <laughs> I, I didn't want to give that to you, uh, but I feel like it works better for you than it does for me. Um, yeah, agreed. And um, like. I, in that case, I, yeah, I'm trying to think, um, well, I don't think I, I, I don't think, I think how we, we should depict it as, like, we are friends within this universe, um, so like I would not pro- I would not be someone projecting guilt onto you. So that so that crosses off devil's advocate. I think apathetic friend would fit for me. Um being sort of a comic relief and not really like be like defined by passive indifference like I I I'm indifferent towards the killings going on and maybe I am the killer. Uh and if I am I take delight in it. Um, we also have to figure out, once we figure out the, the killers, we have to figure out the motive, uh, for them as well. Um, um, okay. Who else, so, we don't have a devil's advocate character yet. That is the one character type we have not filled at all. So... Uh, someone who, if they're not the killer, they are seen as overly protective, uh, prioritizing self-preservation, but while also having others' best interests at heart. They're basically the ones who, like, want to get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, and if they are the killer, they project the guilt onto others. So with you being the red herring, we need some... Well, I guess we don't necessarily need someone to project the guilt onto you. There could just be people suspecting you, uh, but not necessarily projecting their own guilt onto you. Um, um, so I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, do we have... Uh, here, you know what? My idea was that if anyone joined, like... We, we, yeah, um, I, I'm just gonna ask friends, uh, anyone wanna be a character in 
the story specifically in the Scream world. See if anyone responds to that. Um... I actually like the idea of my friend Blake being kind of the Randy character. <laughs> um, but, like, he's also, like, in the sense that, like, he would be, like, really into this convoluted story that's go Like, he could hear about the story from um, Pascal and the others and just be enraptured by it and, like, think it, like... Um, and be, like, just like, oh, this is, this is one of the greatest stories I've ever told, like, this should, like, oh, uh, this should be a movie or a show or a video game, like, it's, like, very meta there, like, um, so, um, that would that would make sense for him to be um the devil's advocate there. So we have at least one character in each type, but we need more characters for sure. Um We can also if we want to have some fun with other Paramount or Capcom properties, we could have them be like loose parodies of character of other characters like that like we haven't incorporated into the story but wanted to pay homage to everyone uh so what characters ooh here's one that is legally murky because paramount produced the original films but then the rights to the comp the, the rights to the company that produced the films were purchased by another company. Uh, so, is there a f is there a character in Indiana Jones or Indiana Jones himself that we could parody in here <laughs> that would make sense? You know Indiana Jones. I do. The God Instinct would be to obviously parody Indiana Jones himself, but... Yeah. In which case, what... Um... What character type would he fit into? Well, as the character, he first and foremost probably be like in the equivalent professor persona, not persona, but like role. Mm -hmm. Like Planet likes exactly a lot of ancient artifacts to go adventuring on in California right now. Yeah, uh, without just stealing from the museum. So be professor that goes on grand adventures, or they suggest that you go on grand adventures. Mm-hmm. But perhaps not. Maybe he's a hidden in plain sight character as well, yeah. but not. Yeah, like, yeah, um, because that's usually where the professors fit into. Like, like basically, basically any adult that's not directly linked to an important character basically any adult that's not directly any adult that's not sydney's dad <laughs> is is grouped into hidden in plain sight usually um or i guess i guess dewey and um 
Courtney Cox's character, who, Gail Weathers, are adults, but, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah. Um, other... Um, oh, we gotta have a Sonic as an apathetic friend. Oh, yeah. We gotta have a Sonic as an apathetic friend. That just, that just fits the, the reckless comedic relief nature. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what? You're laughing about something. What if we had Sonic be one of the killers? <laughs> Sonic one of the killers. Huh. I'm trying to think. Maybe. Maybe. Like, if we're doing it a parody, it doesn't have to be, like, literally just a cartoon hedgehog is there. It could be just, like, somebody... Yeah, Very like with the obviously it's a it's a yeah. kid it's a teen with the personality of Sonic, um, dressed in all blue. Cause, Cause he is a teen, he is just a teenager in those movies, <laughs> um, or like a kid rather, um, um, it's probably like I'd say I'd say his personality fits in line with like twelve to fourteen in the movies. I forget, have you seen the Sonic movies? I have not. Okay. I'm just imagining Sonic trying to get arrested, someone trying to arrest Sonic for murder, and Sonic making a joke about how you can't catch him, he's too fast. He can certainly, regardless of whether... of the opening of Sonic Adventure 2, now that I'm thinking about it. Regardless of whether or not he is one of the Ghostface killers, that would be in line that would be something he an apathetic friend would do whether or not they are the killer just like kind of be like oh you like if if i were the killer you wouldn't be able to catch me (laughs) like um uh Which makes me not want to make him a killer, because I think it would be more, like, because the killers always die at the end. Um, uh, what were, what were some of our rejected partners for, I think, I mean, we reject, we, some of our rejected partners for Pascal... I mean, probably don't want to have a Tommy Pickles equivalent. That would be fucked up. Unless we went with the all-grown-up interpretation. Which is not as interesting. Um, I know Patrick was a rejected killer. Oh, there was uh, Leslie Nielsen in Naked Gun. Um, What? Uh... The Adams Family is a Paramount property. Is it? Wait. According to Wikipedia, at least. When? It is or was. I mean, as long as we're being we're we're being loose with the parody, we can be like. I'm sorry. What is Adams Family reunion? That's a. Oh. I didn't realize there was a third in the 90s movies. I didn't realize neither. Um, I'm guessing this one is not great. Um, 
Oh, well, it replaced... Yeah, look, it replaced both... Um... Yeah, no, it doesn't have the original cast. It Weirdly, the, it it's Tim Curry as... That's why I remember... I seem to... Re, I was remembering Tim Curry as Gomez for some reason, but then I was like, no, he's not in Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. That's Raul Julia, who... Oddly enough, played M. Bison in the Street Fighter movie. Um, well, now I really want the Adam Sandler Street parody, not parody, to be referenced in here. Um, um, I just came up with something ridiculous. Yes. What if M. Bison is one of the killers at this time? <laughs> like, at this point, he's like, you know what? No one's recognizing my evil deeds. Like, I'm, I'm gonna... What, what if he is... And, like, we classify him as red herring because, like, it. oh, obviously, he like, been the whole, I love he, it. he's been a red herring the whole time. And, but, the, and the vital clue that signals that he was like one of the killers just that one of the that this one of the victims was stabbed, they had the shit kicked out of them instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, that's funny. Um. Oh. Oh, and you know what I just realized? This works perfect because we can have the fight, the three-on-three -three fight of this be the three Ghostface killers, oh, yeah. but we don't figure out who the third one is. Like, this is, like, it, the, it, the, the, right before the final fight, it's just like, wait, there's a third Ghostface killer this time? And then the fight happens, and then they're like, well, let's figure out who this third one is, and then they all get transported to Clue. Yeah. Oh, Okay. So we have M. Bison, and that way we continue the trend of M. Bison being in all the fights. Um, that's, oh, that's funny. Um, uh, so. And then we're going to have M. Bison die, but I think he canonically has multiple bodies anyway, so he could just come back in one of those for a hypothetical sequel. Yeah, I guess. Um, uh, we also don't necessarily have to be beholden to the rules that the Ghostface killers also sure. always die with the case of M. Bison. Whoever the other one is should probably die, though. Yeah. Um, I think, I think actually having M. Bison die for this one would work well enough. Okay. Alright, well, we'll kill him then. We'll, we'll kill M. Bison. <laughs> um... Uh Oh and he should be he should be the one on the phone with gold yes. at the beginning. Yes. He should be the one on the phone. Yes. <laughs> because like he has been there the whole time. And so like if anyone were to know that gold was the real mastermind, it would be M Bison who has thought he is the mastermind the whole time but just kind of been there the whole time and witnessed everything and wanting to take credit for it, 
But now he's like, no, you know what? I've had enough. There's only one for room. There's only room for one evil mastermind here. So he blackmails Gold Golden Age. I was trying to remember the last name for a sec. Um, but yeah, okay. So with that, we then have. Okay. Um. So. Oh. Also. The. You know. With this game being developed on the podcast. You know who should be a character in this? Who? Nathan Shewer. Oh yeah. The director of yeah. Scary Little Fuckers. Like maybe he's. He's directing a new stab movie. <laughs> I like um, it. And, like, I'll put him in Devil's Advocate as well. Uh, it seems to work. Um, And since this cast is real dude-heavy uh, so far, let's throw in the, those two girls who impromptly joined the podcast that one time when they knocked on my dorm room door. Do I remember their names? I remember one of them. <laughs> um, but... Fuck it, sure, let's have one. Yeah. Um, uh, and... Yeah, with them just kind of barging into the podcast. They they are apathetic friends. Yeah. Uh I think Yeah, I I'm just writing down names. I remember one of the names, I don't remember the other. I'm not going to say their names in case they don't want their names out there, but yeah. Um So, we have we have a cast of a hero, four confidants, two devil's advocates, four apathetic friends, two hidden in plain sight, um, one wild card, two red herrings, one of which is actually the killer. <laughs> um, uh, unless we have a better idea, I like the idea of me being the, the other killer. I like it too. Um, and like... But now me and M. Bison need a motive. Well, M. Bison's motive is we were at part of it, and the other bit, part of it could just be he's perfectly fine going along with murder. Mm-hmm. In which case, your motive would drag him along with it. Yes. Um, which my motive um, is that... I mean, this is almost the same motive as Scream 5, but we can make it uh, real tongue-in-cheek with Miserable Movie Monday, uh, and, like, I, my motive is just I don't like the direction that Nathan Schuer's stab movie is taking, so... I create this series of killings to make a better stab movie. <laughs> which is essentially the motive in Scream 5. They're essentially people who hate 
Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, which, <laughs> which, like, it's, no, it's, it's literally, it's, it's, it's just toxic fandom, is what it is, it, and I love it. Fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that is what they went with in Scream 5, which is great. Um, uh, like, they're, cause I think at that, I think at that point in the, in the franchise, the series is up to stab eight. Um, and, like, there's even, I think I mentioned this to you, there's a cameo from, uh, Dead Meat, uh, my, uh, favorite horror YouTubers, uh, James A. Janice and Chelsea Rebecca, um, reviewing Stab 8, um, and I think, like, they, like, the two killers, like, meet on a, like, a subreddit, because mm -hmm. of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. Um, and... Yeah, they're... Yeah, they don't like the direction that Stab has taken, so they... Yeah, then, so... Yeah. Um... And it, it could even be because... To to poke fun at the fact that I actually like The Last Jedi, I... Nathan Shewer could have been brought in, like, after the uproar about Scream 8 or something... Mm -hmm. Which, now that I think about it, I think 8 was entirely intentional, because Last Jedi is episode 8. Um, so... He, so, so like, as a... De as as the sole defender of Stab 8, <laughs> I want that... I don't like that they're just retconning that and, like, pushing it to the side in this new direction with, from this Nathan Shewer guy... Um, obviously we'd have probably a different name in our, our game, but, yeah, and so, <laughs> I just, yeah. Alright, cool. <laughs> I like that. I like it too. Um, now, so, that happens, they figure out that's going on, and they figure out that me and M. Bison are the are are the killers, and then the fight happens, and then all during the fight, all of a sudden, there's a third ghost face that comes on. I even like the idea of like it seeming like a three on two, mm -hmm. where you just fight the the two of us, and then like. After you defeat both me and M. Bison, uh, the third one, who it, who we later find out to be Gold and Age, um, comes in. Um, Ooh, maybe the, I guess maybe the knockout for M. Bison's could be. It starts with you, then M. Bison, mm -hmm. then M. Bison would tag in at some point. When M. Bison's health bar goes all the way down, the third one comes in, and his intro is stabbing M. Bison and then taking his spot. Yes, I love that. Yes. Um Yeah. Um So yeah. Um And then so that happens. Uh and then the fight finishes and we're like, "Okay, we need to figure out who this third ghost face is and then transport to 
um, the clue world, body manor, or body estate is what I have written down as the world name, uh, cause Kingdom Hearts has world names, um, so, uh, which for TMNT I just put New York sewers, the rest were pretty easy, but, um, so, now, obviously, this one would just basically follow the plot of the Clue movie. Mr. Body, or who we're led to believe is Mr. Body, is murdered. They start investigating, and then progressively, the cook is murdered. Yvette, the maid, is murdered. That cop, that poor cop that just needed to use a telephone gets murdered. The singing telegram, that poor singing telegram gets murdered. You've seen the Clue movie, right? No. Oh, fuck. We need... Okay. Fuck. Okay. You know what? If it's... If it's cool with you... Well... We're gonna watch that at some point. At some point. At some point. Have that be the next episode of the podcast. I'm down. All right. Even though it's a movie I've seen yeah. multiple a, times. That, that we're do, we'll be doing a re, simply a recap episode. It'll be fine enough to br- break the rule for that. Yeah, yeah. We'll watch Clue. Okay, so yeah, and then basically the whole thing is that. So they did a really cool thing which i'm sure you, i'm sure you're yeah. familiar with what they did but for the audience who isn't familiar and because this will tie directly into what we're doing with our game um the clue movie when originally released in theaters depending on where you saw it you saw a different ending and then physical and digital releases of the film include all three endings. Mm-hmm. I think even on a physical release, you can choose to either play all three endings or pick a random one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for DVD. Um, obviously, VHS would not have that option. Uh, but, um, so, yeah. So, essentially, that's what we want to do with this um, and we don't, ne- we aren't necessarily beholden to the, the exact, uh, way the murders go down in the Clue movie, like, like who murders, who, who like, we aren't ne- necessarily beholden to doing those three endings, but we are going to have three separate endings and they will affect, like, and also, these will be affected by decisions you make in the game, th- throughout the game, um, and will lead to different endings of the game. So, uh, we of course have, you know, we have the characters from the Clue movie. We have Wadsworth, we have uh, Colonel Mustard, Miss Scarlet, Miss Peacock, uh, Mrs. White, uh, Professor Plum... And Mr. Green. Um, the only character we are not allowed to make a killer is Mr. Green. For reasons. Um, he will be a member of the detective agency. You won't necessarily have a partner for this one because everyone's kind of investigating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mr. Green is part this universe's representative for the detective agents for the multiversal detective agency. Um for reasons. I won't 
spoil it because mm-hmm. it's a fun gag in the movie. Um, so, other than that, Wadsworth, by the way, is the butler. I guess I should clarify because he's the one character who's not in the board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Tim Curry character. It's uh, one of Tim Curry's best performances. Is great. Um, so we have that. Um, so, and any of these endings can have multiple killers. Um, so, let's just, like, obviously there's not a ton of, there's not a ton of, like, development we need to necessarily do in this. Um, but we need to decide what the three endings are. Okay. Like, the basic setup for, since this is a game, the basic setup would be the bad ending where you just fuck up at most opportunities, good ending, and then the true ending. Yes. I think the, I think, obvious one, true ending, you figure out it's Golden Age, and you figure out, that was the Ghostface Killer, and you figure out that, you figure out what his plot was, why he was doing it, and then that ends with the confrontation in Mount Paramount. Yeah. And you only get th- uh, that yeah. confrontation at Mount Paramount if you get the true ending. Yes. I'm not quite sure what to do for the good ending, which is, you're partly correct, but you missed the whole picture. But for the bad ending, I think it'd be kind of neat, because, like, a l- not tradition, but, like, a lot of times some games will take joy in having the bad ending be as terrible as possible for various things. Mm-hmm. What if for the bad ending you end up accusing Red? Ooh. Oh, okay. And because at this point, like, you have gathered enough evidence to deduce that it is a member of the detective agency, but led completely in the wrong direction. Yeah, by the fact, supported by, which would be, which could be, Supported mechanically by the fact that Red was also there the entire time with you. Yes. Save for the Avatar world, Save but you know. Save for the Avatar world. Um, where he cut. He shows up at the, he end. Shows up at the end. Yeah. He was there. We, we just kind of forgot to write him into the yeah. Avatar world. <laughs> Even though he was on the thumbnail for that episode. Because I just designed him. Um, so... Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, say, like, just for for thematic fun, say he teams up with Scarlet in the, or, or like, well, does he, Scarlet is, like, the one killing in the, in the clue, in the clue, like, the clue victims are Scarlet's victims, uh, but, um, she says she was working with someone, and in reality, it was gold, but we, like, but it, actually, it is... Actually, it would generally, generally, generally speaking, be kind of fun if each character, they're paired off for their closest color equivalent. Yeah. So, so gold was with Colonel Mustard. hmm Yeah. And so on. Yeah. Um... 
So, um... Sheen, because of the searches with Miss Peacock. <laughs> yeah. I actually, actually, I thought of fun, because there's a bit in the movie where these names are code names mm -hmm. because they don't want to give their true identities away. So, all these names are code names. And I came up with a fun idea to give these characters all code names as well. Um,. And, um, so for, for Sheen, it would actually make more sense to pair him off with Plum because I want his, um, I want his codename to be Ultraviolet because of Ultralord and Violet. Oh, um, uh, Maverick, I get... I mean, Maverick's already a code name, kind of. Mm -hmm. It's a call sign. But, like, he could be Sky Blue. Makes sense. Maybe yeah. He's a pilot. Yeah. And Pascal, I don't... I don't know what to do with him. Um... I guess... Actually, you know what? It would make sense for, like... I don't know, some, like... Kelp green, because ocean. Right. ocean. Ocean iconography. And then, or, or like, not green, not wording it as green, because, like, what's another, like, trying to think, or maybe aquamarine, and, like, have it, because aquamarine is kind of like a blue-green, right? I think so. I don't know. I uh, don't know. Um, colors that I'm terrible with. Yeah, and then pair him off with Mr. Green, because... He didn't do it. Um, not the movie Aquamarine, Jesus. Color. The color. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, close enough. Yeah, it's a light tint of spring green in cyan between... In cyan and green on the... In between cyan and green in the color wheel. So, yeah, that works. Um... Make him Captain Aquamarine, because title and fishing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, that's fun. Um, and then, like, before... <laughs> the Ghostface could just disappear before they, like, give him a code mm -hmm. name. He could, he could be off running amok and, like... Um, but yeah, so, I like the idea of him, so yes, he is teamed up with Colonel Mustard in the true ending, but he should be paired off with someone else in the good ending, I mm. think. So, like, yeah, I'll, let's, I'm, I'm trying to remember who even, go with Mrs. White, because that right. is the closest coloration to the ghost face costume, because she wears black and white. Fair enough. Um, so, now how does this affect, okay, so, so the aftermath of these endings. So, bad ending, you accuse Red, 
And while he is innocent, there is enough evidence to put him away because he is a member of the detective agency. But there, after he is arrested, Pascal should find out that it was gold, but it's too late to do anything about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe to make that even worse for him, he, like, Red gets arrested, uh, they have an emotional falling out instead of a... Mm-hmm. Instead of adhesion, embrace, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, then Pascal ends up going back home... And then they get attacked by an army of mutants. Yes. And, like, it ends with him blacking out, like, with, like, the implication that, like, maybe he was killed, maybe he was just captured. Uh, so, yeah, and we can... If they're... Yeah. Um... And then for the good ending... uh, That should be the one where Gold gets arrested and... uh, That that should be the one where he starts the theater troupe in the... No, I don't think so, because like... You want that... You want his redemption to be in the true end? You want him to be redeemed in the true ending? Yeah. Okay. Because that's... That could work. Because like... Because a good ending versus true ending is generally uh, a you did well ending versus a you did the best ending. Okay, yeah, fair enough. And so for that, I think my only idea right now for the true ending would be is that you figure out that Golden Age is the person responsible, but you don't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And that hanging mystery in that. And that hanging mystery causes things to be be left open. Mm-hmm. Only give a sense of like incompleteness. Yeah, and I also like the idea of in that ending, Red offers to recruit Pascal into the detective agency, but Pascal declines yeah. because he couldn't solve the why. Yeah. Um, so... Old Cot... Anthill... Denies... The MDA... I'm just calling it the MDA, the Multiversal Detective Agency, because I don't think we ever came up with a, a better name for that. Um... So... And then the true ending. We've kind of already established all the shit with him. Um, with with his backstory and why he's doing this. So the final confrontation on Mount Paramount. Um, I imagine that, like... Like, you fight him, like, instead of just a 1v, or a 3v3, like, Marvel vs. Capcom style, it is instead like what many of those bosses are in those games, where it's like, 
maybe you start off fighting him like normal size, mm-hmm. and then he drinks the mutagen and becomes this all-powerful, grotesque, mutant, whatever. Oh, what? Ooh. To connect with his connection to cinema, his mute, his animal mutation is a horse. Because, as explained in the movie Nope, which isn't Paramount, but whatever, um, this is actually true. Um, yeah. The first ever thing put to film was a black jockey riding a horse. I like it. So, horses are intrinsically linked to cinema. So, he becomes a horse on a mountain. He becomes this horse mutant on a mountain. Um, and that's, like, his, his final form. With, like, a golden mane. And, like... And then... You defeat him. And you get... And then he gets arrested. Um, but because the Y is known, he and Blue have one final talk before he goes behind bars. Mm-hmm. And that causes some minor change in him. Yeah. Also, we're now having Blue speak. <laughs> Why not? For the... I mean, you could have Blue just be barking and or, he understands the barking. Or maybe it could be like in Lost in Translation where Blue whispers, but we, we don't hear what he or she whispers. But it has the it causes this epiphany in Golden Age and he becomes good all of a sudden. Uh, and... Yeah, um, so then, after that, um, (laughs) so that, so we, I just had an alternative thought for Blue communicating this, and it's just, Blue leaves him a set of clues in his prison cell. That... You know what? I like that, actually. I like that. And, like, one of them is, like, maybe a movie script that he wrote or something. Yeah. Yeah, that he adapts into a play in the theater, in the prison. I like that a lot, actually. And that's where, that's where Shredder comes. Because (laughs) Shredder is in here. This could be, like, a multiversal prison. Shredder and Plankton are there. Um, M. Bison's not, because he's dead now. <laughs> um, or maybe there could be a teaser that M. Bison takes one of the bodies of the prisoners or something. And then, we need the closure with, uh, so... Pascal... Do we, do we have pa- So, Pascal is offered... By Red, Red offers Pascal to be part of the detective agency. Now he has solved the why. Does he say yes? Does he join the detective agency? I think we have him say yes, but yeah. I also think that we still need to work in one final like, not even competition necessarily, just one more encounter with Pascal and his father. Yes, where like, and it it could be like. 
Red goes with him to talk mm-hmm. with his father, and they, like, you know, it's kind of, I mean, his, him being a detective is a parallel, in this instance, is a parallel for mm-hmm. him being okay. gay as well. Um, and, uh, you know what, um, and him be like, you know, dad, you don't have to accept me, but this is who I am, and I'm going off to be in this detective agency, um, with, um, with with Red, Mm -hmm. and... This is where we can have Popeye come back in as well to be like, um, and of course, Flynn has had a disdain for Popeye, but in this moment, Popeye is able to reason, is able to be like, yeah, the, the, he's ready to be on his own, like, mm-hmm. you... He's not yours anymore. Is he that am something? what he am. Yeah, he am what he am. <laughs> um... And also at that point it is revealed that Popeye is also part of the detective agency, because why not? Um, Because that just makes sense. And... Do we want... I know we, we came up with the idea of Pascal's mother being in the detective agency. Do we reveal that in this game? We can leave the stinger for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, have a stinger like, oh yeah, before you go on your first mission, Pascal, there's someone we need you to, there's someone you should be reacquainted with. Um, and leave it at that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then I guess... Sheen and Maverick are also welcomed into the agency and go back to their respective worlds. Um, we, you know, Maverick with the the Top Gun people and Sheen gets to reunite with Jimmy and Carl and whatnot. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, do we have any other things to add to this? I don't think so. Alright. Well, that is that. Um, think we've been streaming for about four and a half hours. That's about normal for us. Yeah, well... (laughs) I mean, that was about what I expected for this episode in particular, because we kind of did two massive things. Um, so, yeah. Um, thank you all for watching the and listening. Uh, 50 episodes, and we're, we're going to keep going for at least a little while. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to do some restructuring uh, to get these episodes out uh, more frequently, uh, where we don't have as many big things yeah. that we're doing for it. Um, 
And I guess next time we'll we'll pro. I, I guess we have an agenda for next yeah. time. Just uh, recapping. I mean, we can primarily do a, a recap of the films of the years of our lives challenge. Um, and, like, give our rankings for that, like we did for the Film Alphabet Challenge. Um, we could also reminisce about the other, like, stuff we've done on the podcast. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah. And then, um, let's watch Clue. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you, I I was gonna give you a pick, and you kind of picked it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, so, until next time, peace. Adios and scene. Alright.